to match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat children. All right. We back. Another episode of the motherfucking Tough Talk podcast. Uh, it's Monday. We recorded this on Saturday. Uh, who do I have? Oh, me and Ibrahim, you know, the original two back together. Uh, and we got a guest. We got a comedian from St. Louis. Uh, Stefan Hightower joined us. Told us a couple stories about getting beat up by the girls. <laughs> Everybody forgets those girls get their growth spurts first. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting story. It's especially funny because Stefan is like six foot five twelve now. I said five twelve. Hilarious. Anyway, so it's especially funny to imagine that if you uh, actually go look at some of his pictures, because clearly this is just audio. Uh, but yeah, he gave us a good old school playground fight story. Never meet somebody behind the monkey bars. Uh, what did we talk on this episode? Uh, we talked a little bit about. We talked a little bit about comedy. We talked about the Chappelle special, the closer, and all the backlash and feedback from that fallout and whatnot. What else did we talk about? We talked about Wilder versus Fury. Mm, and just a little bit about comedy and just, you know, transitioning from St. Louis to New York and the differences between, I guess, small market cities and doing comedy in a small market versus a bigger market like New York. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, we recorded this Saturday. It's Monday now. So just going to sprinkle a little bit of sauce, a little intro to the episode, a little prelude, if you will. What happened between Saturday and now? I don't know. I keep seeing people talk about the new Halloween movie. I do kind of want to see Michael Myers' latest rendition. But people keep talking about story, and it's just pissing me off because it's like, nigga, it's Michael Myers. Like, you're supposed to be here for the murders. The body count is what you're supposed to be here for. Body count. That's what we here for. It's just like, yeah, the, the story ain't supposed to be nothing. I don't know, but part of me says social media just ruins everything. Uh, speaking of girls and gross spurts, because we was talking about Stefan getting beat up by this girl. Uh, WNBA finals happened last night, or at least it concluded. So the Chicago Sky wound up winning. <laughs> Which is funny because it's just like you'll see over the summer, J. Cole played in a Rwanda league and niggas woke up at 11 a.m. in the morning to watch J. Cole who in a Rwandan league, but they still won't watch the WNBA. <laughs> I watched a little piece of the game. Uh, Candace Parker obviously played very well. I think she had like 18 points, and like 13 rebounds, five assists, five steals. She's this well-balanced player, and I mean, 13 years, I think she spent in L.A. playing for the Sparks. She was kind of Lisa Leslie's understudy, and she wound up getting benched and then deciding to leave L.A. like a year later and went back home to Chicago and brought it home. Chicago doesn't win much. 
ain't won much since the Bulls. <laughs> Which, weird enough, on a tangent, I was talking to somebody earlier about just how disrespected MJ is that his career was so great that there's no proper movie for him. Like that bad, uh, that bad ABC movie that they made during the 90s about Michael Jordan's life. And then even when you think about Michael Jackson, he didn't have a proper movie either. That bad uh, Flex Alexander VH1 movie. <laughs> it's like, damn, they disrespected the hell out of both MJs. We talked a little bit about that, too, on this podcast, because Ibrahim, I think, was <laughs> ranting about uh, Aaron Hall versus R. Kelly. It's a real old nigga argument. Like we might have been, might as well have been somewhere sipping some E and J. Ah, what the hell else did I want to talk about? Uh, yeah, so the sky one. That's interesting. Are you even allowed to like? I feel like people only talk about what they're allowed to bet on. Like everybody's low key a gambler. Are you even allowed to bet on WNBA games? I don't know. But yeah, they beat the uh, Mercury, so the Fe- both Phoenix teams lost in the NBA Finals and the WNBA Finals. Which you may remember the old boy that went viral for beating up somebody at a Nuggets game, the Phoenix Suns fan. I wonder if he was somewhere punching somebody last night because he lost again. But yeah, both Phoenix teams lost. That Phoenix team, the WNBA team, well, the Mercury is kind of a super team. There's Brittany Griner. I think they said she had like 25 points in the loss. Diana Taurasi and Skylar Diggins. I'm from Indiana, so I'm a Skylar Diggins fan. I try not to acknowledge her last name because uh, it's hyphenated now. So we're not even going to acknowledge that Smith on the end of her name. But yeah, she's she's been a hooper since Indiana high school days, and she went to Notre Dame. But yeah, her Tarasi and Griner are kind of a super team. So really, the underdog one with Chicago winning. Uh, Brittany Griner, I watched that. I saw her dunk the other night. She kind of turned the corner on somebody and went up. And I mean, everybody was clowning because of course they were like, oh, "I've seen better dunks in the JV game," but. Hey, I'm not I'm not too willing to criticize what what I what I can't do. I can't fucking dunk, so shit look good to me. And I mean very few other girls dunk. I think Candace Parker did it in the game. I know Lisa Leslie did it in the game too, and Michelle Snow. So there's like three or four women that can do it. And they're all like six four, so it's not too crazy, but <laughs> when you when you consider, you know, the fact that uh Spud Webb was a fucking dunk contest contestant, it's just like, damn, how much stronger are our legs than theirs? <laughs> that the six floor girl them just barely getting it. Which is one beef I got with Candace Parker is she was talking to Shaq over the summer cause she does she does uh, analysis for TNT. And Shaq suggested that they lower the rim, and she just gave him that look. <laughs> that, that look that your girl gives you, and you know she's going to give you an argument when you get home. 
But yeah, what the hell else happened over the weekend? Oh, the verses happened. I, I peeped a little bit of the verses. It was an old school battle. Sure, somebody had to teach their uncles how to get on Instagram or Triller and watch the verses. <laughs> bunch of 50-year-old niggas, bunch of niggas in Dapper Dan Gucci suits. Uh, KRS-One versus uh, Big Daddy Kane, so... I peeped a little bit of it. It's good to hear. It's a little before my time, but I mean, Big Daddy Kane was, or Jay-Z was Big Daddy Kane's opener. So that's how old that nigga is. So it still comes back and connects to, I guess, you know, modern rap. But yeah, that's, I checked out a little bit of it, like, uh. It's just interesting. Somebody like I learned something. What did somebody said? Big Daddy Kane Kane stood for something like confident Asiatic something, and I was just like, oh shit! Like these are acronyms, and even Chris had an acronym, which is interesting. KRS One's name meant something too, so it's just like oh shit. So yeah, it was uh. What was it? Oh, Kane was King Asiatic, Nobody's Equal. And then Karis one was Knowledge Reigns Supreme over nearly everyone. So, yeah, each letter in your name had to mean something as opposed to these new rappers that you just be like, what does Skipper the Flipper mean? <laughs> that mean a goddamn thing, which is interesting because it's like, you know. We still aren't that far from the origins because you think about Drake and I mean, it's corny, but he was like, oh, you know, Drake just stands for do right and kill everything. And it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah, fucking name had to mean something. Like I said, these new niggas ain't no telling. What the fuck does plies mean? Were you trying to spell pliers and forgot the R? What is a plies? What does that mean? Uh, well, I guess he's not new now, but he was new to us. Yeah, you know, had to fucking mean something. But anyway, yeah, I peeped a little of the old school battle. It was good to see like Kane do the symphony. See KRS One do uh, Welcome to My World. It's one of the like dopest, like purest hip hop beats. Just sound like two niggas scratching the turntables. Make you feel like you're on Sedwick Ave up in the Bronx somewhere, plugged into a light pole illegally. And the cops is coming to shut the party down immediately. Yeah, which is actually interesting because that argument's been popping off a lot on social media about, you know, hip hop and where it starts. Like, dude, you know, Jamaicans want to take credit for it. And like somebody said, it's like, dog, it's a black American art form. If you started it, then how come there ain't no big popping Jamaican rappers then? And I mean, obviously, I'm smart enough to know there are some Jamaican rappers, but they were born in Brooklyn or raised in Brooklyn. So it's like, nigga, it's a black American art form. But yeah, a lot of people trying to trying to bend history up and take credit for things. So that's a little weird. But uh, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, yeah, just Karis. Well, he brought out some break dances, which I don't think that's, you know. And I realized everybody could break dance in the 80s because they just didn't have the technology. Like, we had Nintendo, so we didn't have to learn how to break dance. 
Like you're not going to learn how to do the robot when you actually have robots that you can make move on a screen. So, but yeah, KRS brought out the break dances, which is like a forgotten element of hip hop and all that shit, you know, MC me smooth the crowd, master of ceremony. He was doing all that shit. So good, good night for real hip hop. Still some battles that I want to see. LL hasn't done one yet. That'll be fun. LL, Ice Cube. There's a lot of people that haven't done one. Missy, Busta. That's the matchup everybody wants to see. Missy, Missy versus Busta. That would be fun. So, uh, what the hell else happened over the weekend? WNBA Finals. The NBA season jumps off Tuesday. Uh, I'll go ahead and give you my prediction. I think the Lakers are going to win. Say it's going to come down to the Lakers and Golden State. I think they got something to prove in the West. And then in the East, obviously, Milwaukee is the front runner. Then I kind of like Miami. Miami added Kyle Lowry. They added Oladipu when he gets off IR because he's hurt. Uh, And there was one other person they added. Miami got some depth. I like Miami. Uh, hmm. And I mean, obviously the Nets, but we still don't know if fucking Kyrie's going to play or not. And I mean, as a basketball fan, I just want to see him play as a, as a man. I just, I, I respect his right to not be vaccinated or whatever. It's really dumb because he could play in any other state. Me and Ibrahim, we talk about that a little bit on this episode at length. So I'll leave that there. Which for Kyrie, you just wonder if anybody broke it down in his language. I'm like, listen, man, your white blood cells, they're kind of running a 2-3 zone. So what you're going to want to do is pull up right here in the middle and take that shot. (laughs) That's what you're going to want to do. You got to show how the vaccine works to this nigga in a playbook. Like like it's a pick and roll. That's how you got to show him. Anyways, the fuck am I talking about? I'm rambling. Uh, hmm. Uh, this weekend, I woke up to Colin Powell pass. So R.I.P. to Colin Powell. He passed. Which is just, I was saying a few years back that growing up, I was in gifted and talented classes. And white people be trying to compare you to, you know, you're going to be like Colin Powell. So he was the smart, smarty art nigga before Obama was. Obama kind of stole his thunder with that. Because <laughs> everybody, you know, 96, 97 was like, oh, Colin Powell should run. You know, what if Colin Powell run and white people be giving you those little reverse insults and they say shit like oh he speaks so well what the fuck does that mean how you expect me to speak (laughs) fucking you know i'm part of the cabinet of the united states of america i'm a damn politician what did you expect a little bit of them backhanded compliments what we call them complisults he speaks so well but yeah r.i.p to colin powell he got vaccinated and he was vaccinated, but he died from complications of COVID. So, of course, everybody on the Internet is arguing now. Just like, yo, told you I ain't no point to be vaccinated. It's like, also, the nigga was 85 and he might have died from 85. OK, like 
you know, complications of COVID. He's 85, vaccinated or unvaccinated. It might have been the same result. So who knows? But uh, I don't know. Well, what are we doing on the Internet, if not argue? Uh, what, are we, what are we talk about on this episode? We talked a little bit about the closet, but even uh, John Gruden got fired. And I don't think we addressed that. John Gruden got fired for emails. And it was interesting because Dave Chappelle kind of said, you know, hey, you know, the LGBT has now trumped anything black. So we've kind of quit paying. We we started paying less attention to racism and more attention to homophobia. And it was interesting because Gruden got caught talking about the uh, coach's lips, which I ain't going to hold you. The shit was kind of funny. Little racist, but hey, some, sometimes racism is funny, damn it. <laughs> and what did he say? Uh, that he's got lips like the Michelin Man, and I can't think of the coach that he was referring to in an email. And, you know, he said that, and that, that email was found, and a week later, John Gruden still had a job. People were just like, oh, well, it was a really old email, whatever, whatever. Then on Monday, they said, you know, they found a gay slur and he was talking bad about Michael Sams, which I think Michael Sams could actually play. I I always champion that. He had like three sacks in a preseason game. And you can insert the, well, you know, he going to get asked, he going to get his man. (laughs) And you can insert those jokes here. Uh, Michael Sims was a gay NFL player. He announced he was gay before, unlike Carl Nassib, who this year came out the closet after being in the NFL for like four or five years, which actually John Gruden was his coach. But anyway, gay slur was found and he immediately was fired or resigned like an hour after that was found in, in an email too. And I mean, for me, which proved Dave Chappelle's point of like, well, you know, you guys essentially have made, you know, racism and racist statements uh, misdemeanor and, you know, anything anywhere near related to homophobia, a felony, basically. And it's kind of been this week has kind of been proving that point. And me and Ibrahim even talk at length about like, you know, the Netflix employee that got fired was black and trans. So it's like, oh, 10 people protested, but only the black and trans person got fired. So it's like really not. And there's white trans people, obviously, that work for the company, still have a job. So going back to John Gruden, that for me, it's I don't know. It's a little bit of mixed feelings because it's like, look. It's football. I've seen games where motherfuckers got paralyzed and carried off the field and the two teams kept playing. So a little bit of words mean less than actions to me that it's like he's coached so many black players and all the black players could say was, well, John was pretty fair with me. And it's like, well, it's an inappropriate workplace. Well, I'm not pretending that the world of comedy is is an office job and I'm not pretending that. 
the world of football is an office job. So I don't need a coach to necessarily have been politically correct in emails that I didn't fucking see. And then you got Randy Moss sitting up on TV crying. I mean, God bless Randy Moss is one of the best wide receivers of all fucking time. But it's just like, dude, really? You're crying on TV about an email that wasn't sent to you? (laughs) And I mean, you know, they fired him. But then I think about, you know, that lady in, uh, was it Arkansas or Alabama? I believe it was Alabama that she, um... Got called a house nigger by that politician. The white guy stood up and called her a house nigger. She cried during the meeting. And like you could hear her audibly crying. And it's like everyone's clapping for, you know, John Gruden being fired. But it's like that's not progress. It's just a damn football coach. You know what I mean? So it's like you got this politician that won't resign and hasn't been fired. And he... He talks way worse than John Gruden ever will. And this ain't football that we talking about. You know, if if you break down the word PC or the initials PC stand for politically correct. This is a politician who's supposed to be more politically correct than a politician. John Gruden's not a politician. He don't affect laws or changes. Just feels like a bit of a fucking moral victory for me. So Gruden got fired proving Chappelle's point and also I'll add that they keep saying well Chappelle's violent that's violent uh you know I'm seeing a lot of the LGBT start to say that he's inciting violence against them it's like how is discussing something inciting violence Chappelle is literally a man who smacked you know, played Rick James on the Chappelle show, smacked another character in the show, Charlie Murphy, and yelled, I'm Rick James, bitch. So literally smacked a man in the face and no one went, well, he's inciting violence against black men. So it's just like, come on, man, why Why is that the narrative now? I did a joke about a trans person and now I'm inciting violence. Which also made me think of like this week, we had a, uh, News of a bisexual Superman, which I'm okay with because it's a fucking fantasy world. It's like it's like making Santa Claus black or something that it's just like, well, who gives a fuck? He isn't real anyway. Right. So but it but it does make you wonder because you scratch your head and go, okay, I'm supposed to clap for the bisexual Superman. But Dave Chappelle mentioning bisexual or trans people is inciting violence for doing a joke. But now you're going to show me on screen a bisexual Superman who hypothetically kisses another man on screen. Then a villain crashes through the wall, grabs that bisexual Superman by his neck, slams him into a wall and punches him. That's not inciting violence. Like that's actual violence. And someone tried to say, oh, well, you know, it's a cartoon, but it's like, eh. I'm pretty sure if someone making jokes is viewed as inciting violence, it's it's both or neither to me of like, okay, if that's inciting violence, then this definitely is. And I mean, a few years ago, there was, it was the um, ad for the X-Men movie that you may remember. I don't remember which X-Men movie, but it was Apocalypse and he was choking a woman. 
but not choking a woman, but choking a mystique. And everyone knows mystique is a shapeshifter. But a lot of women flared up to say, hey, you know, that looks like, you know, violence against women. And it's like, well, that all comes down to whether or not you think Mystique is a woman because I more view her as a shapeshifter. <laughs> it's like it's actually inciting violence against shapeshifters. So unless you're a shapeshifter. And then that's the thing, too, of like, it's like, well, yeah, in this particular ad, she's being choked. But if you watch X-Men, you know, she's one of the strongest characters in the whole damn, you know, universe or whatever. So it's like and that's the thing, too. We get, you know, people that aren't actually comic book fans being mad. And, you know, if you're going to be mad about bisexual Superman, it's like, show me 10 comic books you've bought in the last 10 years. <laughs> and then you know even about comedy a little that it's like you know I think Chappelle said it during the special of well did you buy tickets to my show or something because someone was saying they didn't like him and he's like leave that shit in the comment section why come tell me it but anyway I think that's all the prep I wanted to do for the show uh you know Per usual, like, share, subscribe, rate the fucking podcast, even if you rate it badly, folks. Uh, this episode, like I said, I'm joined by Ibrahim. Um, we talk a little bit for the first segment, about 30 minutes there. Me and him just catch up. And then we're joined by Stefan Hightower, a very funny dude from St. Louis. And uh, we chop it up a little bit about comedy in St. Louis, growing up in St. Louis, and his first time on stage. Uh, so... Without further ado, that's all from me. Check out the episode. Yo. Hey, what's up? Chilling. Yeah. Just waking up myself, you already know. Grabbing some coffee. About to get into it. I know you said you got a show tonight. Yeah, that we preparing for. I'm still reaching out to people to come. We um should have a decent we should have a decent turnout. Um, you know, our people they like to show up at the door. You don't know if they come. That is interesting always. So yeah, 10 we're... minutes before the damn show starts. It's like, uh. Black then, people. Then they complain about service. It's like, oh, why we wait so long to get out of <laughs> Nigga, because you didn't show up when we told you to show up. Like, you show up at this what, time. What do we call it? Negativity? <laughs> huh? Oh, my God. Yo. Negativity. Just Bro, showing up late. Wrong attitude. And but we happy you came. And I, I, I feel like we enjoy more. You said what happened? I said, but, but we, we still glad they came. Bad attitude and all. Oh, but I most feel definitely. like if we if we show love, it's it's strong. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I hear it's definitely strong. Running a show is different headache, man. Yeah, man. That's why I don't really everybody like, oh, are you performing? Like, nah, man, it's, it's so much other shit. Yeah, you can't even worry about it. That's why even sometimes with like, you know, the ladies and whatnot, they want to, you know, as girlfriends, wives or whatever, they want to, I want to come do a shit. And sometimes it's like, nah, you're just extra person I got to fucking worry about. Exactly. I'm already worried about my set, worried about the booker seeing me, worried about the this and the that. And now I got to, you know, see about you too. Right. You know, and I didn't even see some some of the homies bring some of their like hood homies out. 
Yeah. And these niggas got a bottle inside the club. They ain't ordering no drinks. They arguing about the two-item minimum. And it's like, you're still getting charged whether you buy a drink or not. So, facts. Learned early on with that. Like, yo, mostly leave that shit at home. It's work. This is, this is going to the office for us. But people think it's, you know, fucking fun time. No, nah, it's a party. I mean, it is a party. It all depends on what you know. All though, but it also depends on the comedian, though. It also depends mm. on the person, because there's some comics who are like party comics, right? You know I mean? Some com- some comics are like party comics. You know what I mean? Like they have that type of vibe. That's what they bring to the show. So it's a party for them. You know yeah, I mean? but it all depends. Like, okay, you're doing an independent show, you know, at a venue that you kind of hand-selected, whereas if you're rolling into, I don't know, if you're headlining the funny bone, then yeah, it is just a party because essentially all you got to do is show up and bring your jokes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything else is on them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess it is di- different types of shows and whatnot. But yeah, man, I was in the fucking garden last night. Uh, I went to Nick's preseason game, so... Oh yeah, so you kind of shaking off the hangover from that. Had some drinks, drink outside because I wasn't paying nineteen ninety nine for a fucking beer. Right. Got nice and drunk outside the garden, outside of Penn Station. (laughs) (laughs) Popped Mm. a few shots before I went in. Right. I was up there with my old roommate. We, me and him, checking out. He's a Wizards fan, so he was. That's the dude I just saw in a a video. Uh, I think Jared put it up. I think it was there. <laughs> dude with the wizards, wizards. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was he was drunk last night. I had to tell him like we in the village. You know, he yelling at people. They yelling back. Like, hey man, niggas might have jumped you. It was like five people around you. Right. <laughs> so yeah, they get wild. They get wild in the, in the village. Like, boy. yo, he drunk. Let's let's go. Like the less you talk to people, the better. This would be for everybody. The white like. The village is like white boy wasted Mecca. Right, right. It's like the motherfuckers, they get wasted and they, well, I would say liberal white boy wasted Mecca. Because <laughs> right. you ain't going to hear no hee-haws, but they will fight a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of fucking with him at the game in the garden because we was in the elevator and, you know, they had just lost uh, fucking Julius Randle, hit a game winner, so. Yeah, I saw it. That shit was kind of dope to see up close. And, I mean, it was the last preseason game, so it was, you know, semi-serious. Mm-hmm. But, you know, them first three or four ain't shit to see. But this one was – you could at least feel a little bit of real game. Like, all right, start lineups actually on the floor. They got Derrick Rose coming off the bench. He had 28 points in, like, 29 minutes yesterday. It's like, y'all know what needs to happen here. Yeah, I feel like the NBA is a lot like comedy in that way of like once they label you damaged goods or whatever that they try to keep you there. Can you hear me? Yeah. What was uh, you saying? I'm sorry. No, nah, I was just saying that the NBA is a little like uh, comedy in a way. Like once they label you damaged goods or a road hack or whatever the fuck, they try right. to keep you there. <laughs> And even when you get beyond it, where even when the evidence suggests otherwise, yeah, I was just like, yo, 28 points in 29 minutes. I mean, <laughs> that's efficient, if anything. 
And it's not like the Knicks have a good offense. So it's just like, what is the point even of sitting him down? And when he sits down, you notice it. Right. Fucking, I hope, I hope Julius Randle get a right hand. Because that's what, <laughs> he got exposed like a motherfucker, boy. But you know what? Because even in last night watching the game, I was realizing Thibs just has never been an offensive coach. Derrick Rose has saved his life his whole NBA coaching career. Never, bro. Never. So it's just like, dude, bring in somebody. And that's one thing about, like, you know, strengths and weaknesses and learning to work as a group to where if you're a good defensive coordinator, hire a good Mm-hmm. That's one thing because, I, you know, I was bull the uh upstaged by anybody so I was a Bulls fan and um that's one thing that used to frustrate me about about uh about Thibodeau is that is that very fact you just brought up <clears throat> yeah it's weird he uses yeah, Randall no like offense. he's Joaquin Noah huh he uses Randall like he's Noah yeah whereas it's like dude and, I mean, I know people blame some of the dribbling and the crazy shit because Knicks fans, Knicks Twitter will be like, yo, if this motherfucker don't stop holding down that triangle button, hit and spin, because <laughs> he'll take, like, four dribbles. And I told my man last night, I said, you know, a strict coach like a Bobby Knight type, right? if he had him in college, would have told him, hey, man, three dribbles and a shot. I don't want to <laughs> see none of this you fucking being Kyrie Irving type shit. And I mean, it's cool if you're going north and south, obviously, but if you're going east and west, it's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Mm. But yeah, he stuck a game with us. The shot clock went down. And I mean, he can shoot, he can make some shots. And might not need a right hand. No, that nigga definitely need a right hand. But I hear they you. beat him. <laughs> but they beat him in the playoffs. They, they, they shut his ass down. Well, that, like I said, that's a reflection of Thibs. And then even watching last night. That's a reflection night, that of that nigga not having a right hand. You can't put it all on Thibs. That motherfucker. Nah, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Okay, yeah. That defense that's was forcing him to do. Force, they were forcing him one uh, uh, his opposite way, and he never adjusted. So right, like, but I'm saying, you know, if you at least have an offensive scheme, like uh, somebody shared a clip of um, oh Kobe in the triangle, and it just made made me reminisce about how like the post used to be the first option, and then everything else was kind of like a safety valve. Like if there was nothing else, kick out for three. And now it's opposite, where you see motherfuckers, you know, never throw it in the post, come right down, five passes, and then a shot, a mm-hmm. three. And nobody ever moves beyond the three-point line. It's weird. This, this is one thing that uh, a lot of people, because I just got in, a, I, I got in a debate with this guy about, you know, it was a um, post on Facebook that listed the top, you know, top-tier basketball players, NBA players or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we were debating back and forth, whatever, and Kobe came up, you know, People already, to me, people already, like, before his death, people kind of, like, had this revisionist history of Kobe Bryant. Uh-oh. It's like, after his death, it got worse. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my <laughs> God, yo. So, yeah. they had Kobe in the, t- in the second tier. Of course, Jordan was one all by himself. And then they had Kobe in second with, like, Magic Johnson, 
Um, who else was it? Hold on. I, you know what? I could pull it up. I think I saw this. I, pull it up. And I did think it was weird that had, they had Jordan in this tier all by himself. By himself. Yeah, they had when he had, had to beat magic, magic and beat Bird. They had, they had now Bird wasn't even in the second tier. They had him in right. The third they tier. had him in the third tier. Tim Duncan wasn't in the second tier. He wasn't in the second tier. They had um, I was like, oh, this meme is bugging. Uh, uh, Kobe, um, Shaq. Yeah, they. I saw that meme. They they just try to start arguments. And I was like, so, hold on. Well, that's pretty much it. So that that's pretty much all. They just like starting arguments. Damn, I want to pull this shit up. And the thing people don't want to deal with right now is that actually Steph Curry and them now they have you have to adjust and and they belong somewhere in there. My thing, my thing is tier two. Yeah, tier two was Bill Russell, Kobe, Shaq. Magic and Kareem. Tier three was Dirk, Tim, Dr. J, KD, who I think should be lower. I'm not putting Dirk by Tim Duncan. No, because he only got one, so he should be lower too. He shouldn't Tim even be in third. Duncan was cold. It wasn't it was sexy, but Tim was Larry. Cold. They got Larry Legend and Will. All right. First of all, to me, you could take Kobe out of tier two and replace him with Larry. You can replace him with LeBron. You can replace him with Wilt. Well, to me, or Tim Duncan. This is a silly argument. But he's not. He to me, not be in tier two. Jordan being into even calling tiers, like, all right, you're trolling. You're gonna put one person on a pedestal. Yeah, it's a well, it's the pyramid, the goat pyramid. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I, I saw it, and it's just like this. It's you, dumb. You can't but, put one player on but, one tier. But my my point of bringing it up was is that what people forget about the Kobe Bryant, you know, his career, you know, what I mean, is he struggled in a system outside of that, outside of the triangle, like you said. But that triangle was efficient. People passing, yeah, it's efficient. That's the hoops that I missed. So watching the Knicks last night, you know, they would throw it to Randall. N- not in the post, and then he'd have sometimes a smaller dude on him, and he's dribbling. He'd be facing him up. Times. He'd be facing him up. Yeah, shot clock running down, and then last yeah. second they'll kick it out, and somebody is shooting. It's like, man, this yeah. is horrific. And I mean, yeah, but it like that was, uh, that was not the game back in the day. Like back in the day, you had them bullies in the paint. You had well, everything shot. ran through like, the post, and I mean, sometimes it would yeah. be almost a fake post. Like you ever remember uh, Corliss Williamson? Yeah, Corley. and like uh, Clarence Weatherspoon that played for the Knicks at one point. Uh huh. John Wallace that led the league and what he lead college in uh, both rebounding and points in when he was in college. John yeah, Wallace. when they won the, when they won the national championship. Yeah. Whereas now they, you know, it used to be based off the skill, and now right. it's just like, oh, we, you know, can you shoot a three? And you know, I, I see a lot of similarities in comedy with that of like, you know. Everybody having a podcast, as as ironic as that sounds, and you know a lot of comedians. Man, I don't be getting canceled because you don't be saying shit. Shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they think that's like a brag, you know? Right. The fucking comedians now. Oh, I don't have an opinion on that, nigga. It's your job to have an opinion. <laughs> right. I, I had a comic recently. I won't say who, but he just was like, yo, can you watch my set? And I kind of had to tell him of like, it's good. Like, it'll work, but it's like a level two set. I'm like, you're not saying anything. 
Right. And I know the comic, and I had to tell him, like, you're a nice guy. But I said, not that you're going to have to be meaner, but I said, the job requires you to have a strong opinion. And I can't think of any comics that are great that don't. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, you got to have convictions. You got to have some some type of convictions or some type of position in life. You got everybody that... It seemed like a lot of people just want to uh, they want to ride the fence so that they're uh, pleasing everybody. Uh, that and, and you know what? Side. Actually, I'd almost say I don't see that, and 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 they are fence riding, but the fence riding the left or the right really hard. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. and it's just like, damn. Do any of you have any <laughs> uh, any sort of balance? And I mean, Chris Rock said years ago, "I'm bring the pain." What did he say? Or not bring the pain. Maybe it was bigger and blacker. But he said, you know, on prostitution, I'm liberal. Gun gun control, conservative of like, Mm -hmm. you know, anybody who decides how they feel before they even hear the fucking issue. And speaking of that, I guess we should get off into since we started with some NBA here. Kyrie Irving, man. What what, what do you think? I mean... I, look, man, if that's his decision, I, I respect it. I respect it. He's made a lot of money in his career. If he wanted to, if he wants to make a decision like that, he's in a position to do For so. Those of you who are listening, uh, and in case you live under a fucking rock, uh, the Nets player, Nets guard Kyrie Irving, a great NBA player, has you know is one of the last guys to not get vaccinated, which actually. There are like three or four players who aren't, but they don't play and work in New York City. So they're allowed to play. And even visiting teams are allowed to play unvaccinated. But for some reason, de Blasio and whoever the substitute teacher lady we got as a. Mm-hmm. Hello? Yeah, you broke up. Couldn't. Did you actually hear that? Not really. You said substitute teacher, and I didn't hear anything oh, else. Oh, the substitute teacher that replaced Cuomo that we have as a governor here in New York has decided, you know, you can't play in New York City without being vaccinated. So Kyrie Irving kind of went live the other day to explain his position. And he basically said he wanted to be a voice for the voiceless. Now, here's the thing I'll say, and I mean, you're a Muslim, so I feel like this is and, and and maybe this is just me, but with Muhammad Ali, because that's been the comparison people are drawing, I don't feel like it's comparable. It feels like a reach to me. With Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali and with, uh, who's my other guy here? Oh, Abdul Raouf. Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, yeah. I felt like that was okay because it was due to religion, mm-hmm. which is like a thing that I respect. Mm-hmm. So then to see, you know, even with Kaepernick, and I think me and you agreed on Kaepernick that it felt a little standoffish and a little silly. Because after a while, it's just like, okay, how are how is police brutality and football connected? You know, whereas if he wasn't standing for the anthem due to religious reasons, I felt like I, it would have been easy to understand. Well, Raouf's reasons for not standing for the national anthem was 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 the same reasons Kaepernick was. It's just he he didn't. It's rooted in our religion, but his reasons that he gave in his interviews was the same reasons that 
Kaepernick gave. It was just that police brutality was the was the more poignant subject at the time. But Mahmoud Abdul Raouf also said it's a symbol of tyranny. It's a symbol of oppression. It's a right. So a little bit of the same. His was more of a general. His was more of a general reason as to why he don't stand for it. Whereas as a Muslim, you're not supposed to stand for inanimate objects anyway. Right. We stand, and we stand for our God. We stand for the dead. But he didn't say that. That wasn't his. It wasn't personal. It wasn't. America, it was period. Because, no, it was, like you just—it was America. That, no, 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 no. I'm saying that just happened to be the country he lived in. But right, as as you're saying, on a deeper level, we don't stand for nothing inanimate. Right, but he didn't. But what I'm saying so is, I understood he didn't say that, that on a religious level. So I always feel like the people that, and I mean, even in the NBA with the vaccine, because Kyrie said, he, you know, there's no religious attachment. I think he would be a look little bit easier for people to digest if there were some sort of religious attachment but being that it's just like one guy being somewhat standoffish and I respect his right to do what he's doing but it's just as like nigga you making 400,000 a check and I think I said the other day that that's a single man's decision because mm-hmm. this nigga doesn't have no wife uh, <laughs> His mother, you know, passed years ago. I think maybe giving birth. I might be wrong on that, but I, I know his mother's not there. His this mother died decision. when he was young, though. His father. So. This is the decision your dad lets you make. You ever see uh, the Adam Sandler movie, Big Daddy? Mm, yeah. When he got the kid and he's letting him change his name and he's eating ketchup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And dressing ketchup himself. Packet. Mm-hmm. Because, nigga, if LeBron James was talking that shit, I know Savannah would be like, hey, nigga, you got 41.18 million reasons why you better get this fucking shot. And like I said, I, I respect his decision, but there is an aspect of just like, ah, Kyrie. And I mean, he was that way last year, you know. Um, You know, police brutality, I'm going to sit out, which actually... I thought about uh, Jacob Blake because they announced that verdict recently. And, of course, the cops aren't – they're not pressing any charges. That cop is still on the force that injured Jacob Blake. And remember, that was the shooting in Wisconsin. And then, you know, the Bucs sat out that playoff game. And Mm -hmm. shit got kind of crazy in Mm -hmm. the bubble. So it's like, you know, I don't want to say that they sat for nothing, but it's a level of, like I said – Athletes being activists is just like. I mean, how how do you feel about it? I think it's I think it's very commendable. I mean, you can't say that athletes being you know the position or that people have that athletes shouldn't be activists. It's kind of asinine because I mean, Muhammad Ali was an activist. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was an activist. One or and two people, all but the, then, but no, it's a lot more. It's a lot. Craig Hodges, my, right? But and I mean, hold on. Because, yes, I, I respect Craig Hodges not taking his trip to the White House at the time. He did take his trip to the White House. Did he? Did he? he did. He he gave Bush, he gave George Bush a letter talking about the issues to address, saying that he needs to address the issues, I believe, in, in Black America, as well as specifically the, the neighborhoods of Chicago. But he wasn't in the NBA anymore after that, right? After that, he got, he, he was pretty much blackballed. And you know what's crazy is I think even... Back. Oh, that he's completely unmentioned in Jordan's documentary. Oh yeah, he well he didn't play that though. He didn't play that season. 
No, I know. But I'm just saying, like, a lot of the shit that they'll bring up, you're like, what about Craig Hodges, the three-point champ? Right, right, right. <laughs> and everybody be like, oh, well, Steve Kerr and, you know, Bush, Bushler gets yeah, mentioned. Yeah, John, pa- John Paxson. Paxson, yeah. That's BJ Armstrong. Like, I don't even think that, yeah, they did show BJ Armstrong. What is Craig Hodges up to these days? That's actually interesting. And Kaepernick's got some sort of documentary coming out. So I was just, but I was just having this conversation with somebody about Colin Kaepernick. And like I said, I commend him for what he did, you know, for to a degree. To a degree. Mm-hmm. But me too, halfway. But I but, did feel like it became standoffish. I think I think I personally think that Colin was done playing football. And I think he he saw that him being a social activist, he like can, let he me make, go ahead and get he my can shit off for just, the next life. But I'm saying he can make just as much. He's made just as much money. No, nah, I get you. Social activist than he has ever made being a football player. Because had he not did that, <clears throat> he just would have been another quarterback. Another football, that's no another quarterback playing. that. Because I, I was like, I, when I look back to it, I'm like, yeah, I appreciate him doing what he did. But also, what I what I really what, what kind of annoys me a little annoy me with him is that he was no orator. He became almost like a symbol more so than a yes. He, 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 he could not explain. An almost like, and I mean, for me, it was getting over this this whole awareness thing that it's like, nigga, we know. Yeah, but we're aware. It, We've but, been aware. But when they would, but when they would have interviews with him. Right, and he would mm-hmm. talk. He didn't sound like anybody was well versed in what the hell he was standing up for. I'm like, and that's what I'm saying a and little like, with Kyrie of like, and 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 I get that when he came into the league, he was a very young man, and now you know he's a man. I guess we should say almost a boy, literally a teenager. He's 19, mm-hmm. so you can't expect him to be the same person. And there's growth within that and all that right. stuff, and I respect that. But right. then there is an aspect, like I'm saying, and like you're saying about Kaepernick, of almost like, hey, man, you're making this shit up as you go, aren't you? Well, I mean, you notice with him, you notice with him, like, he, he had very little speaking engagements, very little you know, where he would actually have to talk and express himself about what he believes. I said, I've gotten more, and this is the irony of it all, and I'm a Niner fan, which is also yeah. makes this even more ironic. I have understood and learned more about and got more into somebody's perspective by listening to Marshawn Lynch, who barely talks. And see, yes. Than I ever have watching and listening Colin Kaepernick. And And even now with uh, Kwame Brown, who I do like, I enjoy his YouTube channel. It's interesting because Etan Thomas was the guy on that team. Mm-hmm. And if you know, you know the players who are really socially conscious. The work is there over a span of years. And then there are people who, like you're saying, get all the camera time and whatever. It's like, you know, look at what Maya Moore's done. Mm-hmm. You know, Bell and Dude. Or, well, she didn't bail Dude out of prison, but, you know, shit, she Help got him out, him. married him. Then married him. He was innocent the whole nine. And I think she's like a lawyer or something now for and sacrificed, and she's a fucking champion. Right. Uh, you know, yeah, so many more so people. I Bree Newsom that took down that flag in South Carolina. That I felt like she did more for you know Ka- than Kaepernick. And I mean, it's not one of these things that we're supposed to compare, he, but it is a level of like. A, but he became like you're a, saying he became a living symbol. 
Mm-hmm. It was he was not. It you can't actually say anything. It, he's he's he, he done said, or said when you've seen him do an interview. When I've seen him do an interview, I'm like, I, I'm be honest. I'll be like, this guy don't know what the fuck he's talking about. So you know or, uh, what's or, the guy? Um, the young guy, right? Uh, huh? D-, D Ray McKesson or whatever. Yeah. What about him? You know him, right? I've seen him. Blue vest guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So blue vest BLM guy, D-Ray or whatever. The funny thing is, and and I mean, I'm sure you know this, but uh, Darren Seals was the guy. Like the real on the front lines guy. I mean, I think there's a picture of that motherfucker with a Molotov cocktail in his hand. Like for real out here putting in work when Mm -hmm. Ferguson happened. Mm -hmm. But D-Ray kind of became the spokesperson. And Darren kind of warned us then. And I mean, R.I.P. Darren. Has That's the guy that got killed, right? Right. Okay. Which is all fishy because it all looks FBI-ish. It looks a lot like what they did to the Black Panthers. Anyway, D- Darren warned us before passing. BLM ain't shit. They're making a bunch of money. I don't know where that's going because it ain't going to me. Mm-hmm. And he kind of warned us about DeRay, too. And, you know, the last thing I can really remember DeRay doing on a public level was... uh Remember, he kind of spoke up about uh, Planet of the Apes and the, the, the apes are wearing blue vests. Mm-hmm. And Whoopi Goldberg had to come on The View and go, Negro, everything isn't about you. The fucking apes have always worn blue vests. What the fuck are you talking about? Because <laughs> he was trying to say, like, you know, that's racist. They're trying to say it to us because, you know, in the movie, it's an uprising. That it's just like, Negro, you can't be this self-absorbed. But right. last I saw him, this fool had, you know, Black Lives Matter on some fucking Doritos and it was like a flavor. Oh, and it was just like, nigga, this is extra corny. What the fuck is even going on here? And I think he this did is, like a Sprite <laughs> ad or something. These too. are the th- these are the niggas who my boy Kirby, shout out to Kirby Darius, mm-hmm. hilarious comic, my man. He said, these are the people who found out they were black through Twitter. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them are, and I mean, yeah, that's, Remember we that's even a thing that? on Twitter where every now talk- and then someone will say something like, "You, you people it- actually listen to Three Six Mafia," and it's just like new black. Here they come. Yeah, yeah it's people like people listen to Three but, Six Mafia. Stupid. Yeah, but we. T- we, yeah, like, remember you and I were talking about that? Like, when I was saying how I don't really, like, get down with the term black girl magic, and I was just like... It's, yeah, all that it's stuff just, is corny. It, it, it's corny. It's like, yo, it's black like... Black boy you, joy. It, yeah, it's like, you just Nigga. found out that we are awesome? Like... You waited on the media to tell you you could smile in a picture. Exactly. It, like, it's so bro, stupid. It's not like, that deep. So, yeah, at times... Dumb like, niggas, we're changing the narrative, putting on suits. Like, don't shut up. Like, you know, the niggas was wearing suits in Selma and getting their ass beat. And getting their ass whooped. And bit by dogs. <laughs> like, the fuck you. They, they iced MLK in a suit. They iced Malcolm. He was wearing the right. suit. Right. It's like, come on, about? dog. But yeah, man, it's, it's interesting because uh, the term, I guess, is controlled opposition. Mm-hmm. And even when you see like a Benjamin Crump was involved in, you know, a lot of this stuff. <laughs> my wife, my wife said, I'll, and I've been thinking this, but I never said it. But we heard I was watching the, uh, the news that Benjamin Crump was up there. I, th- I forgot which one of these things. One of the cops. Oh, the last cop that went to jail for killing. Um, what's my man name? The, the white boy that went to jail. Uh, the last. Uh, 
the one that got that went to jail for killing um got you Chauvin Derek Chauvin, Chauvin. right so Benjamin Crump was up there <laughs> and um my wife was like I don't know how he's a lawyer he can barely talk <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, that's probably why these why these why he didn't fucking win that case with Trayvon Martin. Motherfucker can't talk. Yeah, I was like, probably I'm sitting there so. watching these guys do an interview, and I'm like, are you fucking serious? You are the you. And you know what? That might even be a little bit of like he really knows the law, but doesn't know how to. Uh, my thing is that. Yeah, yeah. My thing is, my nigga, be a paralegal. But, but listen, look, you, look, my you generation, are right when you look up, up his hold win up. and loss record. Hold up. My generation, our generation, had motherfucking Johnny Cochran. Mm-hmm. Their generation got Benjamin Crump. Yeah, it's, yeah, different. Yeah. it's a major difference. Johnny was like a, more Johnny was a showman. He's more Johnny, into an Al Sharpton type of or of like, you know, just showing up with an ambulance chase. Nah, fuck that. Al Sharpton can't hold a candle to fucking Johnny Cochran. Well, Johnny no, no, no. Cochran I'm saying Cochran. Crump is more like Oh, Crump is more like it's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. To That's where Al Sharpton is. is like, what's your win loss record, motherfucker? You ain't right. even five hundred. Al Sharpton is a reverend, ain't got no church. Benjamin Crump is a lawyer and can't win no cases. Like, what the fuck is we doing? I think he finally, I guess, finally got a win with Chauvin there, but he had I don't lost think he, like he wasn't so the many count- before that. He wasn't, the, he wasn't the counsel for that for that case. I don't think. I'm pretty sure he was no. involved, bro. He not a prosecutor. No, 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 no. no. I mean, like. Whatever the fuck he does, a lot of times he just gets settlements. Yeah. So it's like, he's oh, you just here for the money. He's an ambulance chaser. He's an ambulance that's what I mean in controlled yeah. opposition. Yeah, but he didn't win. He didn't win no case. He didn't put no work in that, on that case. That was, the, right. that was that's what I'm saying. Meaning you come out with Breonna Taylor, he did. You come out and you tell the public you're very angry about the decision and you hold your hand back and somebody slides some cash. You said Breonna. Wait, underneath you said, the table. You said Breonna Taylor, he got a win? No, he got an L. He got a bunch of money. Oh, 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 oh. oh. He's all about the L's, you know. And then remember the, 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 the oh, and then you get the civil suit. Cop got wonton endangerment, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah, you yeah. know you come out and act angry about the verdict, but you're not really angry. You went in and negotiated that, right? Like I got these niggas right where I want them. They they think I'm on their side. Yeah, put the money under the table. <laughs> and then you come out. I'm very upset about what had happened in there. Um, yeah, I'm outraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shut the fuck up. So a lot of it, even like I was saying with DeRay, is controlled opposition. You know, I'm trying to get a Doritos bag and a fist on it, and my name, my Instagram's on the back of the bag, nigga. What? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what's really going on here? In facts. Look like y'all want followers. Y'all might as well be in entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, Tamika Mallory out here doing Cadillac commercials, and it's like, what is going on here? So yeah, it's I don't even know what to say is about Cal- this. Is she doing kind of like commercials? Yeah, she did one, bro, and had a bunch of black women in it talking about black women are the you know heads of households and blah blah blah. That's oh, like if you uh, can't see that they're trying to divide us even more than we're already divided, then that's on you. But yeah, it was ridiculous. That that caused a big stir this summer. Just like what, you know. Would anybody you take seriously as an activist have a Cadillac commercial? And there is the idea of like, you can't help the poor if you're one of them. Mm-hmm. And I get that Jay Z said, that. and I think that's ridiculous because Jay 
they'll be like, oh, he's a capitalist. It's like, nigga, he's got a song called Dead Presidents on his first album. It's song number four. Like, yes, he's a fucking capitalist. But you look at somebody like a Tamika Mallory, it's like, I want to take you seriously. You're not a rapper. <laughs> so, like, why the fuck do you have a Cadillac commercial? Is that a chain? Are you doing a music video right now? <laughs> it all makes you wonder because you go, damn, what would MLK be doing? And <laughs> that nigga would have a YouTube channel on there arguing with Dr. Umar. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, that's why I did that bit. That's why I got that bit on the album and shit. Shameless plug. But <laughs> so what's the name of the album? Uh, Placebo. So I got a Check track. Check that out if y'all haven't already. So one of the tracks I got is um called Double Tap Activism. And the joke I do is I go, I said, we had, I said, uh, social media started a lot of movements. I said, social media started a lot of movements, but it also put a halt to a lot of them before they got started. Right. Yeah, social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter during the civil rights. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I was like, you know, our black asses would still be on the back of the bus. I said, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. side bitches have been posting up pictures of them. (laughs) (laughs) Nigga would have been sleeping in bed and shit. That was one that Chappelle kind of touched on with uh, MLK. We're going to take that shoe contract. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like, yep. You know, it's like somebody that said, you know, a salary is the thing they give you to forget your dreams. So a lot of these endorsement deals are kind of that where, you know, gold handcuffs. It blurs the line. You can only say so much. The thing about the thing that was amazing about um, Muhammad Ali and even and even Mahmoud Abdul-Rawi is they could not be bought. Yes. They could not be bored. Malcolm X could not be bored. MLK could not be bored. Well, MLK was bored. I, I, I can't I can't say he couldn't be bored. He was bored. Because he ended up realizing that he was being used as a tool of white liberals to pacify mm-hmm. black frustration. But he realized that later. So he was bored because they the white liberals were funding the civil rights movement. Yeah, they killed him and then gave him a holiday. Then they killed him and gave him a holiday, yeah. But I mean, during his movement, they were funding this whole I have a dream and nonviolent shit. And then he realized something that Malcolm had realized way before him is that he said, I'm leading my people into a burning house. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he was bored, but he didn't know it. He didn't realize it. Malcolm was trying to tell him, he was trying to tell everybody that you got to watch out for the light, white liberal, and he didn't. So he was bored to a degree, but not to this extent. Yeah, they're smiling in your face. And that's a little bit of what we're going to get into here in the next segment. We're going to tap in our guest, uh, Stefan Hightower. He's a comic here. Uh, and we're going to talk a little about Chappelle and, 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 and this white liberalism of, you know, the outrage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, getting to Stefan's past a, a little. So, uh, yeah, right now we're going to go ahead and click him in here. Let me see. Yo yo. All right, you back in. Boom. So we just going we going to hang tight here and wait on Stefan to check in and pull up uh I guess in between then. Cuz this is something I wanted to ask you about cuz actually weird enough I saw you the night of the fight uh Wilder Fury. Mhm. What what did you did you actually get a chance to watch some of the fight? Nah, I was still um I was at um I was at stand up 
Did you see me tonight? Of the, yo, you yeah, saw I saw you tonight of the you fight. Me, yeah, I was at stand up. I was at the pair. I was I was at stand up New York when the fight was going on, and dude was giving us play by play. Yeah, cell phone. But um, I mean, let's see. Tyson Fury got his number. That's the way it is in boxing. Some fighters just have your number. Yeah, and I and, mean, he, I think he and, had him outweighed him by thirty nine pounds, right? Yeah, but let let's address something that's let's address something that was said online that I, I have to I have to yo 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 what up Steph what up yo chilling chilling hope so Ain't nothing we we gonna get into your your story and whatnot uh for those of you listening this is a comedian uh Stefan Hightower uh from St. Louis one of St. Louis finest yes sir yo how long you been in New York yo man um I moved here June 2019 so December a couple months maybe two and a half years man Oh, okay. Shit, you came right before the pandemic. That's crazy. Yeah, man. You brought that shit with you. <laughs> nah, bro. Take that shit back to St. Louis. That nigga that's is crazy. a pandemic. <laughs> close enough to Flint water. That started. In, that started on the East Coast, brother. We in New York before it comes to St. Louis. Got to know that. <laughs> right. You we can make it shit. here. But now nah, we was just chopping it up a little about uh the fight Wilder versus Fury. Did you get to see any of it? Man, I ain't even seen it. Yet. I was I had shows, bro, and I ain't even I said I told myself I was gonna look it up on YouTube and watch it. I seen the highlights, but I mean, I feel like I had told my boy Reggie, I'm like, yo, if he don't win, he just he just can't fuck. Yeah, they better than you. Yeah, he just yeah, yeah he's Gary's just a, a awfully a, a more superiorly skilled fighter, which ain't saying a lot because Wilder's not really a boxer. Yeah. I didn't know Fury was the motherfucker that dethroned Klitschko. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. once you know that, because nobody could beat his big Russian ass. Yeah. He was, yeah. He was like, oh boy, from uh, you, if he dies, he dies. He was literally. <laughs> he was a lot. Yeah. He was a real life Drago. Yeah. He was really like him, you know, because yeah, he was Lewis. He kind of took Lennox Lewis out, didn't he? Uh, Lennox beat him by. He was beating him, but Lennox cut him. And then okay. that's how he, the fight was like a no decision or some shit, I think. Klitschko was serious. And then Lennox was beating Tyson. And then I felt like, yeah, he passed it to Klitschko. I, I, and... I, I thought if you got cut, that mean you lost. Yeah, I think it was a no decision or something. But but they said Klitschko was winning, was, was pretty much winning the fight or some shit like that. Because I never saw it. From what I understand, that's how it went. What 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 y'all think is worse, bombing as a comedian or getting your ass knocked out? Knocked out. <laughs> knocked out without a doubt. Everybody I, yo, like listen, getting knocked out. Listen, I've gotten my ass whooped in a boxing ring before, nigga. That shit is embarrassing. What's your yeah. record as a boxer? Yeah. I didn't I didn't box professionally. I just trained. My father wanted me to box, so I said, nigga, it's too late in the game for that shit. Oh yeah, it's like it's too late in the game. I was but already, I was already like nineteen years old, bro. It's too late to be getting your head beat in. You got to get your head beat in when you like five. Yeah, you got to be used to that shit. You got to be used to that shit. Once you done formulated thoughts and opinions, nigga, it's too late in the game. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the thing about boxing professionally. Even playing football now, like you look and you see it, and you like, how are they not thinking about getting hurt? But remember when you was a kid and you was that fearless. Yeah. Nigga, I, look, yo, I know I'm old now, older now, because I flinch when I see certain hits on mm-hmm. on games. When I'm watching <laughs> the game, I flinch. I go, God damn, that like it hurts. You know what I'm saying? But, but when you was a kid, you when don't know kid, no pain. You don't think about getting hurt. 
No. Yeah, you don't know yeah. what's name. But, you like, that's when the fun gets started. But, yeah, you like Wolverine, then your ass will heal quick anyway, so. See, that? that's why comedy is a different type of sport. You can start comedy at 60, nigga. Like, <laughs> you, know? you know, I feel like that's the good and bad part, because I hate yeah. meeting the old. Uh, I tried to be a lot of things, and I'm 45. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, nigga, you aged out of modeling. You hurt your knee, you know, playing ball, and now you're here. Nigga yeah. might have even tried to be a singer or something before comedy. Right. <laughs> so it's just like, nigga, you're just spelling that a lot of things. And this is your last option. But you know what, though, man? But I commend those people for even trying. Because you know how many people don't even, they live their whole life and never try anything? You know, and that was one thing I was going to say. I'm not knocking them because, as they say, it's never too late to start anything. I but, mean, nigga, that... you just knocked them. And no, I just gave them credit. I, I, so I you can't jump on my, you can't jump on my <laughs> knock train now. No, nigga, it, it just, wasn't a complete. You, Statement. You started off knocking them. You didn't and let how me finish I, my How you going to unknock them now? Come you on. You ain't let me finish my statement. Because you was finished. You knocked them. No, I wasn't. I gave them credit. Now you want to give them credit. The Come other on, thought I was about to complete Lord. the thought to say, long as you don't hate on the younger comics. Yeah. Them niggas ain't, don't be funny, so they can't hate on anybody. But some I of the older say. comics don't be funny that start late. Mm. Huh? So it's some exceptions oh, that, that to rule. It's some exceptions. Though. Like earthquake started later on. Like some exceptions. Dangerfield started, I think, at fifty. They say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, but no, no, no. He uh-huh. had been he had been doing it, and then he stopped, and then he mm-hmm. came back, and he popped at fifty. But he mm-hmm. was doing it already. He was doing. Okay. He was in show business. He was in show business for years, but then he um got like caught up into some scam. He mm-hmm. was into some like scam or whatever. Then he got out of that. I think he even did prison time. A then he personal got out of that. one is, huh? Personal one is uh, Alonzo Bowden. For me, I always complain, and he'd be like, "You know, it's thirty when I started because I feel old, and I'm only thirty five, and it's like, yeah, he's funny." Alonzo Bowden started at thirty one. Last comic standing, you know, like six or seven years later, and he's been a headliner ever since. So, wow. I, I can't complain around him, and I think we all in comedy need that person that we can't complain around. Yeah, mm-hmm. complaining. I feel like it's just so goddamn common. Uh, you need to vent sometimes. Bombing might be a little more embarrassing because I feel like getting your ass knocked out is nothing you can control. Yeah, you can, nigga. You put your chin down. What the fuck you mean? <laughs> you can put your chin you can down. do roll work. You get fucking. You know what I mean? You can control it. You just bombing. You really can't control. You can either way. They both whether you bomb it, what, getting your you ass bomb it, knocked uh, out. Listen, yeah. whether you bomb it or get knocked out, it's still a uh, 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 hundred people watching. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> like, nah, bombing, you can be four people watching. The I'm show saying, bomb, still and you bomb. Watching, do this. You That's the thing about Wilder. You know, they said his wife been at all three. That you like, boy, that woman must be patient. Yep, nigga, he's worth millions of dollars. Yeah. They, they, she'll be all right. Yeah, she'll, she'll be all right. Good. Yeah, you he still got some memes. money. I knew he lost bad though when I seen black people putting up memes about how hard he works. Oh yeah, <laughs> he dropped him twice though. What I said. Yeah, I know, and and that, I mean he lasted to round eleven, and the motherfucker got thirty nine pounds on him, but yeah. he still. Wilder should have bulked up. Wilder should have bulked up for that fight. You know what I'm saying? He should have bulked up for that fight. I just got this guy his fucking neck lick this time. God but bless. This, this guy just—he's a way better boxer. Right. Fury yeah. is a better boxer than he is a puncher. 
You know what I'm saying? That the but it's the fact that Wilder's only what 215 pounds, maybe. Yeah, so he was taking on a challenge even fighting this guy. Huh? He was taking on a challenge even even. Yeah, Fury Fury is a super heavyweight. Right. He's a super heavyweight. He's not a heavyweight by the standards of a Ali and you know and all of them. So Wilder is hooking up to take on Fury. Basically, even if they were the same size, Wilder would have won. Basically. So we talked about his wife being present. Have either of y'all ever bombed in front of a girl? Uh, I have. You have? I did. I yeah. did once. I had yeah. this shorty I used to mess with. She came to a show, and um, I had a pretty bad set. I had a, I had a, yeah, it was a pretty bad set. I'll take that. Pretty bad set. Man, I remember I bombed at a theater in front of my girl, Ooh, and she just never forgot it, and like. Somewhere in the middle of the breakup, she was kind of like, and that's why your ass bombed or whatever, but she don't know the terms. So she was just like, that's why you was horrible at that show. And I'm like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> Mine was she she held on to that shit all the way to the breakup? That's crazy. Something like that. She was kind of like take little jazz. That that's funny. She had a callback. She had a callback on your breakup. That's funny as hell. Something like that. Yeah. She that's gave crazy. my ass the light. So I, I feel for this nigga Wilder. <laughs> His family and kids. And like I said, I knew it was bad when niggas start putting up. He he worked four jobs to support his daughter. And it's like, you don't know that. Shut up, nigga. Right. Like you're just making up shit now. And we laughed at Shikari all summer for coming in ninth. Mm. So Wilder ass finna catch these jokes too. Perfect. It is what it is. You oh, got to this respect what, the joke. This what this what I wanted to address though. So this is some shit I heard. I saw that that uh, Andrew Schultz said that Fury is like one of the greatest fighters, or if not the greatest fighter ever. Man, greatest heavyweight, greatest heavyweight ever. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no fucking way. No way, bro. No fucking way. He wouldn't be able to beat. He would not be able to beat Mike Tyson. No. He told him, "Oh, he would kill Mike Tyson." Would have knocked him the fuck out. Yeah. He would have never got up. Fuck. But him. now, is this a conversation him? of one of those conversations of the really good versus the great, and trying to place him within another era? Because I think anytime you get to jumping errors, that does mean somebody's great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is the work. This is one of the weakest eras of heavyweight boxing. Right. Yeah. I so agree. you can never say Fury could have. Fury would get his ass knocked out if we was in the seventies. So he wasn't fucking with Foreman. He wasn't, he wasn't fucking fu- with nigga. He wasn't uh, fucking with Ken Norton, George Navarro. Fuck with Spinks and them. Fuck Foreman. Fuck Joe Frazier. Fuck Ali. He ain't beating George Navarro. He not beating um um Ken Norton. He not beating Cleveland Williams. He not beating any of the lower. So he not beating like the fourth tier of. He not no. He not beating none of them. And them motherfuckers would for for, listen for. Nah, even I gotta give more credit than that, bro. I give him like second. Yeah, you gotta give him some credit. No, he ain't beating them, yo. He beat Klitschko. What what class would you put Klitschko in? Klitschko, Klitschko also dominated a weaker a weaker part of the heavyweight division. Hmm. Come on, man. But like, but, when but, Klitschko but, came, a lot of the guys was on their way out. Lennox Lewis was on his way out. There right. was no Riddick Bowe. Evander Holyfield always, uh, was already punch drunk. And there that's was already nobody the around. thing is you always catch somebody on their way out. 
It's yeah. never you're 26, they're 26. I think it Roberto was, Duran and Oh Boy might have been the closest to that. It huh? was that during Ali's time. When Ali was coming up, everybody the, was nice. Some of the older guys were on their way, but it was it was only a handful of a handful of them. It was like Archie Moore. Tyson um, Holyfield was close to that, but Tyson had went to prison and basically quit being a boxer. Tyson brawler. This is the thing I would tell Ty, about. Uh, I would talk about Tyson's era. Tyson was was impressive because he was a kid who was dominating adults. Yeah. So he dominated a heavyweight division that wasn't necessarily great, but it wasn't bad. He okay. was a kid knocking out grown men. Yeah, because so he grown men who were professionals. For the title. So he beat Spinks. He the the fighters he beat was Spinks. Holmes. Uh, he beat uh, what's my man name? Oh man, Jamaican you really hurt star. my soul because Spinks from St. Louis. Oh my god. Damn, we yeah. sorry about that, dog. Yeah, he destroyed Spinks. He destroyed. But Spinks was a champion. Spinks was the lineal champ. Right. He beat the Jamaican cat. I can't remember his, his name. Did he tear right. Larry Holmes' ass up too? He beat the shit out of Larry Holmes. But Larry, Holmes, Larry, Holmes Larry Holmes is an old man, but Larry Holmes is nice. Larry Holmes. But but the, I'm talking about the gold. But but because Mike got locked up, Mike actually missed the 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 sweet the spot prime, of his prime. era, his prime era. And that's what I was saying. That's when you Tyson had Riddick, Holyfield was that Holyfield, was... Riddick Bow, Lennox Lewis, um, you know, uh, uh, Razor Ruck, and then was still around Tommy Morrison. He missed a lot of great heavyweights that came up behind him right. that he could have fought and dominated, probably. Mm. So his era where everybody would have been in the same age bracket, he missed because of those those years in prison. Right. You know what I'm saying? That sweet spot. Ali so it was angry, miss, no Ali custom model, no spot. training Tyson that took on Holyfield. But that right. Or not even Kev, custom model, Kevin Rooney. If he would have just had Kevin Rooney in his in his court. And that's the thing people keep saying about uh old boy Wilder is you know that Mayweather's team or people offered to kind of train him up against Fury and he refused. He was stupid. He should have did that because he would have learned how to box. See, yeah. like he kind of stubborn almost in the way of um what's my boy that I was thinking of? Uh Kyrie is a little stubborn there, but it was somebody else I was thinking of that like you refuse to take the help that's available. Oh, and even they said Fury tried to shake his hand after and told him, like, congrats. Yeah, I saw the video. Yeah. And refused to shake his hand. Yeah, that's... Like, Doug, you got to at least be honorable in defeat. You got to be just as honorable in defeat as you are in your victory. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't. I think he just... The thing is, it's hard. it's hard for people to be gracious now because everything is out in the spotlight you know what i'm yeah. saying so everyone's ego is even more magnified so they're unable to be humble like you said even in defeat in victory or in defeat because they already know he already this is the thing he already knows that the memes are coming and that's what i was just about to get off into uh it's a uh rapper a baby king he's related to kendrick i don't know if either of y'all have heard him but I have not i fuck with some of his music he's okay. nice but yeah, uh, or actually on the Donda album, he comes on there and said, I opened my life, I'm subject to memes. And it's like, yeah, if shit's getting to you, ain't they? <laughs> mm-hmm. If shit's get to everybody. I remember Tory Lane yeah. saying, y'all be making memes, I'll be making millions. It's like, nigga, them hairline jokes getting to your ass. <laughs> <laughs> them hairline jokes getting to your ass. Yeah, that's why I just went bald. I was like, fuck that. 
Oh, you just shaved up, Stefan? That's why I went bald. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I got to go, brother. Me I and Ibrahim, we holding on. In my early 20s, I had the Vegeta. I was like, yeah, I got to go. <laughs> God damn. Ah, he said the Vegeta. God, God damn. damn. Not the Vegeta. Nigga had the Norman Osborn hair, hairline. Bro. <laughs> Yeah, hey, as long as you yeah. ain't got uh Zach from Power Rangers. Oh man. This shit oh, was my nasty. God. And you know what's crazy is he still had a strong hairline. They just was fucking him up. Yo, I'm, I'm up in this elevator, so I hope I don't go out. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm, yeah. Yeah, hopefully not, because I'm gonna start asking you some questions and really getting into your shit. But uh, we'll try to let you pass through the elevator. We'll we'll keep the talk going. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to break out. Soon. Okay, Eve, you about to break out? Cool. Me, me like, and chop it up. About 15 minutes. I'm just. Okay, light work. Uh, what the hell was we just talking about? We was talking about hairlines. Stefan, what was the final straw, man? No, no, no. He said he asked you a question. Nah, he about to go in 15 minutes. I said, Stefan, what was uh, the final straw with the hair? Yeah, what was the final straw? With her? Man, it was just, bro, I couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't brush it straight, bro. I couldn't brush it straight. I thought I had dreads, braids, and it just still was the same. I was like, you know what, let's just try a ball. And when I come to her ball, I had to hit it for it. So I was like, oh, that's how we rocking. Hey, yeah, yeah. I've, I always say on this podcast, like, I don't know why niggas is Beijing. And when, when in the 90s, Jordan was bald, he the GOAT. All right, Kelly was bald, nigga. The locks was bald. I didn't see him right. with hair is weird. First of all, let's address that R. Kelly shit. Okay. R. Kelly only went bald because the nigga, the nigga stole Aaron Hall whole style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aaron That's Hall. Hilarious. Aaron Hall. To me, this is what I think. If anybody got justice over this whole shit with R. Kelly is Aaron Hall. And I, have, <laughs> and I think Aaron Hall sent them girls to R. Kelly because he knew that nigga oh, was a pedophile. Man, nigga, that's that's hilarious. hilarious. To, to destroy his career. Fuck R. Kelly going bald. That you nigga was like bald. Aaron Hall was holding the camera and taping it. Bruh. Yeah, man. Yo, he, 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 fucking, he stole that nigga whole career, yo. So Aaron Hall was, was like Clyde Drexler to his Michael Jordan? No. Nah, nah, nah. Nah. I would hey. say, I would say Aaron Hall was Aaron Hall was Michael jo- Jordan, right? And fucking R. Kelly is Kobe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. R. Kelly is Kobe to his Jordan. <laughs> yeah, he was Kobe to his Jordan. I, I feel like Aaron Hall is Clyde Jessica because remember before Jordan came on, he was the shit. Five slamming gem at Houston. Mm-hmm. Dunking on people. <clears throat> but you know what I feel like held him back, Stefan, was that that nigga refused to just shave his head. He had the hole in the middle. Mm. Oh, yeah. So he looked evil. It's something about yeah, Clyde. Yeah, Clyde Drexler like Clyde, Clyde like had the deadbeat daddy haircut. Yeah. Oh, man. That nigga Clyde looked like a junkie out there. He looked like he, he looked like he owed years of child support. Yeah, Yo. you know what's even funnier is I think Clyde wore number twenty two. He did. So it's like nigga, add one more. You was almost there. <laughs> that's funny. He was almost there, Look, nigga. And that's probably why Jordan wore twenty three, one over Clyde. Now you had Kobe come out, and he won over Jordan. Like and you know right. So, and you know what's so crazy that the uh I forgot who it was told told the uh 
Trailblaze to draft Jordan, so he's been playing with Clyde. That is so yeah, crazy. yeah. I, I uh-huh. saw that too. And uh-huh. instead they went with uh Sam Bowie. He said he said, Well, I need a center. They say play Jordan at center. Hard headed. Now they said play him the Trailblazers yeah. if they had Clyde and Jordan, that'd have been nuts. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at the Portland uniform that Clyde wore, that shit is almost the Bulls colors. Man, that's crazy. And it's just like, God damn, you was evil, Jordan, not this bitch. Like, Jordan would have had a ring way before he did if he got drafted by Trailblazers. They no, he wouldn't have. No. No, he wouldn't have. You don't feel like he'd have got that off? Hell no. Hilarious. Why you say that? Because you gotta, you have to look at Jordan's career in its totality, bro. The nigga, he ain't really start winning. Until they make some key acquisitions and they had the the, the right offense for him, you know what, but, saying? This is what I'm saying. Though, they got once, they got, once they got Pippen, the Bulls kind of took off. What I'm saying is they already had Drexler. Jordan would have been that piece. They would have just scored a lot of points and not won. Mm. He, he, he might have just, a point. He, they're not. He's not the first. Them two playing together wouldn't have been the first of its type. You know what I'm saying? Just because you have that. Those two stars that can put points on the board doesn't necessarily equal wins. So you think that'd have been like Dame and McCullough? Yeah, pretty much. A little more like that. Yep, pretty much. But, uh, probably you know, a little they, better though. But they but they got the same game. They pretty much have been the like same LeBron game. and Wade. Because if you think about it, Mike put up a lot of points. Mike, I be trying to tell niggas this man. Because just like Kobe, like he and I was talking earlier about Kobe, people got revisionist history with kind of Michael Jordan. Mike, before he before the triangle, before Scotty matured into a, a, a Hall of Fame player, and all, and before the triangle, Michael Jordan was the equivalent of Russell Westbrook back then. Oh, people, he put up a lot of numbers, but he couldn't win. Yeah, but that's every player's time. narrative when they come in. You could say that about Kevin Durant his first three years, and but he, played, but he played in Seattle, so nobody really expected him to do shit. You know, but what he's I mean? the number two pick, and Jordan was no. Three. But I'm saying, but I'm saying though, Jordan was three. He was two. Durant came out with a lot of expectations. Expectations. What I'm saying is, people knew Kevin was gonna put up numbers, but they knew he wasn't gonna win because of the team he played. But I'm saying every team, every player starts off like that. They go, "Oh, you putting up numbers, but can you win?" And then you have to learn how to win. It's but yo, few players that just Jordan's went off. Jordan's went on for seven years, my nigga. LeBron ain't went out the gate neither. LeBron won his title within what four years, five years? No, no, no after no. seven. No, no, no. It after took seven, LeBron after almost seven. ten years to win a chip. No, it's no, seven, it's like seven, eight. He years. lost in two finals. It took a while. I'm saying he no, got drafted he won his first in chip three. He won years. a championship in 2012. So like eight, nine, no, eight, I'm just, eight years. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He lost twice in the finals before he ever won. Yeah, and no, but I'm talking about. But, whoa, 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 that's why people. But they were always competitive, though. Yeah. Nah, the it took about four years to become competitive. Huh? It took LeBron almost four years, three years at least to make the playoffs. Don't quote me, but three. I'm pretty sure. That's real fucking good considering where they came from. But I'm just saying, everyone has a learning curve. No one comes right in dominate. Well, anyway, but what I'm saying is with people that talk about Michael Jordan, they act like those years never happened. <laughs> so, Clyde they act like, was... They act like, they act like those years never happened. I said, yo, if Clyde, you look at his career early on, he was Russell Westbrook. That's what he was. So Clyde was Aaron Hall to MJ's R. Kelly. Yes. Yeah. And, you said, and you said Aaron Hall is the real winner here. Aaron Hall, he's the one that got real justice. <clears throat> yes. Because he stole his style. He stole his style, ran with it, 
Or the look, anyway. No, he stole it the way he sing, too. If you listen to Aaron Hall, I miss you. Man, I've uh, heard people that, say this for years, bro. Huh? I've heard people say this for years. Bruh, it ain't, my mother was a diehard Guy fan. Yeah. Diehard. I'm talking about she loved Guy. She loved Aaron Hall. So when fucking... Um, and remember, around that time, R. Kelly was in a group called Public Announcement. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's top. what I was about to say. They had a flat top. He was in a group. Next thing you know, this nigga came out with with um um my body uh, uh my body's called uh, whatever and a few other um. Bro, songs. I never knew R. Kelly was in a group. Yeah, he was in a group announced. before. Yeah, he was in a group before they he was just ever did single. A Glad TV interview, and I laughed because I said, "I bet that them, them niggas won." <laughs> they gonna yeah. try to be like, "That's why he left the group. We wasn't with it." Right, they probably yeah. You know, niggas always try to capitalize off somebody's mm-hmm. moment, somebody's downfall. Niggas try to make it they come up. Mm-hmm. Yo, he, yo, he, um, but he was in a group and fucking, you know. Yeah. Well, this this what I wanted to get into, and I guess I asked both of y'all before y'all leave. Uh, damn. Who, who old ass phone ringing? <laughs> nah, somebody buzzing in my apartment. I was about to say, boy, I know that still got a cord on that phone. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. That's a, I ain't heard no ringer like that in a minute. That's a Kyocera. They ain't no, they ain't no regular wow. cell phone. Shit. What? Sound like one of them New Jack City cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> CMB. We all we got. Yeah. <laughs> but nah, man. Uh, I wanted to ask both of y'all before y'all get up out of here. Uh, fine. We're going to start backwards here. I'm going to ask this before Ibrahim leave. Uh, all right. The Chappelle special, what did y'all think? I'm letting you in. I enjoyed it. Okay. You I fuck en- with it. Man, I enjoyed it, man. I don't think he really said something too off base because all the stuff, even if he said some trans stuff, but it was mostly like his experiences. He didn't really say nothing off base. I just think they did. And most people who I feel like want to catch him ain't really watch it special. Yeah, they're not Chappelle fans anyway. And even for me, yeah, Chappelle show came out when I was in high school. And I do remember the first season, it was kind of underground. Yeah. And just me and a few people was watching. And then once Rick James, bitch, hit everybody now. White people, different people, all everybody. Like, yeah, yeah, once the DVDs came out, yeah. So I don't feel like they were real Chappelle fans anyway. Hello? And like I've been saying, it's like, yo, when he was making fun of crackheads and mocking black rappers, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. It was all fun and games. But now that he's mocking the quote unquote establishment, everybody's yep. upset. Yeah. Yes. This nigga having a full conversation. No, nah, that's you know I got I got roommates and everybody saw so yeah. Okay, yeah, it's, it's all good. Well, shit. Ask them what they thought. <laughs> did you like the uh, Chappelle special? Nigga actually did. See, she liked it. <laughs> See, I think yeah, for and black. And I'm not people, even a Dave Chappelle fan. Okay, word. See, for black people, we not. You know, he didn't say nothing outside of what we say in the barbershop So yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but all the people that, trying to cancel him, I think they proving his point. You know. Yes. Yep. That's exactly. they're proving his point. And even this morning, I read something about how a Netflix employee. One is there was some trans employees that like they like walked in on a meeting that they weren't invited to and got suspended. Yeah. And then this morning I read something about another employee that got fired. And this was a black trans person that you go, 
Where was all this smoke from Monique when she said what she said? But but they saying that she got fired because she leaked how much she got paid. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. But that's what I'm saying. But still, where was all that smoke from mm-hmm. Monique? Mm-hmm. You know, if employees, I feel like that's the that's the commonality there of like, well, you worked there when Monique said she wasn't getting paid right here, mm-hmm. and you ain't had shit to say. Mm-hmm. So it's just the level of like you're proving Chappelle's point. Yeah, you, yep. you, they don't even see it. You don't operate to help a black person you operate to take them down yeah mm-hmm. and like i said it was sad because what really proved the point was a group of employees did something and they said this person wasn't even the leader mm. and they got fired and it's like oh but you who'd you fire first mm. so we the last hired and the first fired mm-hmm. but it's yeah it's just like a level of like everything a black, y'all doing a black is- trans person who was pregnant by the way Right. right. That shouldn't even, like, <laughs> that shouldn't even been the title. Yeah, and even that was a little for me like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it, it's interesting and I mean a few I guess members of the LGBT community that I saw that were upset. They just kept saying he was violent and I'm like, what is violent about what he's saying? Yeah. They couldn't have watched it, bro. Hmm? They couldn't have watched it saying he was violent. Right. So it's like, you know, you couldn't have watched it, A, but also B, you know, this man is making jokes, but we don't actually control shit. You you out here firing us in the real world, so who exactly. really punches mm-hmm. down on who? And then I feel like Chappelle at that point of career where he doesn't really have to be funny. He's at a point of career where he's trying to make a point. Like, he's not even really trying to tell jokes like that. Like, he's just... Make and that perfect. was what was getting me tight with the white open micers because they kept, oh, I've heard better stuff at open mics. You go, oh, first man, of all, bro, you're I, at open mics. Micro, Second of all, Chappelle's in like, you know, his Dick Gregory phase of like, he's made you laugh enough. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. he's trying to make you think he's in his Paul Mooney, Dick Gregory phase. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was a statesman in the game. Like, and George then, Carlin. You know, yeah. people. People saying he's silly. It's like he's always been silly. This nigga would—it's doo-doo, baby. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know the dude said you got chocolate on your face. That's doo-doo. Like this nigga's always been silly. Facts. But now that he's being silly about trans people and call it beyond pussy, you upset? Yo, that's hilarious. Yeah, that shit had me dying. I felt like that was the funniest thing, special because he was, and I feel like he's almost getting bigger laughs by trying to not be funny. Yeah. That that was the best joke of the fucking special. Yeah, that one, that I was one, so that mad I didn't come up with that. I was so upset with myself. I was like, "You." Son. Oh yeah, y'all got the uh, same. Y'all had one of the same premises but, about and dirty my white shit women. Is better. My shit was better. <laughs> Your ass got my dirty saying, white woman. Even if you did think of that, would it matter if he did it on his special first before you know? Hold up, wait. He did do a joke that's similar to mine on his special because I got niggas that text me about it. Like, yeah. yo, I mean, you know, but man, my some, shit was better. Some of the stuff is in the zeitgeist, uh, you know, of like you, you know, on the right track, you on the right track. Ain't no right track, nigga. That that my shit was better. And there you go, you <laughs> on the right track. That's what it lets you know. I hate that. No, I've been on the right track for a minute. I hate. I had that bit, and it was mine's is better. Listen, Clyde Drexler, you just should have <laughs> shaved your head and no. won number 23. No, nigga. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be Clyde. No. I'm fucking with you. 
I'm like, but nah, I've, I've I'm had like that the, I'm like, too. I'm responding like the nigga, the, the the one member who got kicked out of the Temptations before they hit big. Um, like, <laughs> you no, Eddie Kane right now? No, but you not you never watched a comedy special and you hear somebody that say a joke that's similar to yours. And no, you always, go, always. You go, I'm proud of myself because yeah. my 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 version is better than that. Mm. When I first that, started, you, okay bro, to say that. Do y'all know who Red? Y'all know who Rodman is? Yes, Rodman. Rodman. Well, I think I've heard of him. Yeah, Comic View. I think he won yeah. last Comic Standard yes. too. Yeah, Rodman. I had hilarious. this bit about like you can tell how big a dude package is by like lazy. We run into the bathroom. He try to hide. Oh my god, he's small. But if you walk to the bathroom, he turn around like yeah, 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 it's big. Man, I seen Rodman do that. I had to scratch that. And I was only like two years in the comedy. I said, nigga, my shit on TV. Yeah, it hurts when you younger because you don't have as deep of a tool bag. Yeah. You know, the more you older and mature, you just kind of go, oh, all right, I guess he's doing that one. And you can kind of make the decision either way. Some people will go, I'm going to just keep doing mine. And then some people will go, nah, hell no. Let me just get rid of that. I don't want yeah, nobody to say I'm a thief. I'm right. a scratcher. I'd just, I'd be like, damn, let me shit. My shit on the album, so I ain't. I ain't well, nah, nah. Listen, <laughs> I, I don't do that. That's not a thing that I do. Of like, I, I told somebody at a comedy show they was trying to tell me they were asking me if something's hack, and I kind of had to explain to them, like, essentially, we're all hacks. It's like wrestling, mm-hmm. where the people's elbow is the people's elbow. We have our signature moves, mm-hmm. but then we also all grapple and do basic slams. Mm-hmm. That like somebody tried to say with Chris Rock on was it tambourine? I think he said something. Oh, he said you know porn. The ten million visitors a day of porn, just me, because he was admitting he watched porn. Right. And the comic was like, "Well, that's just real basic open mic." And I'm like, "He's just a comic." Mm. Like, what the fuck do you want? It's too like, bad. Yeah. Why do open yeah, mic yeah. playing the it's like more? It's like nigga, it's a hip toss. Like, shut up. Right. It's a hip toss leading to somewhere else. Right. And that was the kind of the thing with this Chappelle special is I felt like I was seeing the white comics become over judgmental. Yeah. And it's like you don't judge yourselves that hard. Right. Like, shut the fuck up. You pay five hours to get four minutes stage time. Relax. And I mean it was nasty. The last special I remember a certain girl comic, I won't name any names. She wrote an article about how he's just out of touch. And she tried to compare, well, me and him are the same age. And then at the bottom, you know, of trashing his special oh, for four I paragraphs. Know. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. At the bottom, she left a link to her comedy. Well, text, 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 text me the name. because You know, <laughs> it's going to be real funny when Stephane, I do it. Stefan, you're going to know who that is. But who that listen, is. what was funny was people was beating her up in the comments about like, okay. And then this is always my point. Cool. You feel like he's out of test. He has a whole body of work separate from this, and that's why he's regarded as the goat. Right. My goat is Chris Rock, and and I mean, I I Chris like- Rock got two member specials. Like, and I'm talking about <laughs> the honest. Honestly, Chris Rock is like one of the only comedians where I remember some of his jokes verbatim without watching the special. Like he got memorable bits. His shit almost yeah. ain't even jokes. It's like speeches. Yeah. Like That's uh, funny. like OJ, I, like OJ killing his wife. I, he ain't have to kill her, but I understand. But I, I understand. Black people versus niggas. I, that like he just got bits. I just remember. My mine is the one about the pharmaceutical country uh company. I always bring that bit up. Is it's one of the greatest. It's one of the greatest bits ever written because 
it's one that's ahead of its time and we're living in the we're living in his punchline right now. Yes. We're living Richard in the punchline. Bits like that too, where it was ahead of its time. Who's that? Richard Pryor got some ahead of its time bits too. Oh yeah, definitely. That yeah, the most race definitely. stuff. That you know, they but don't I'm, kill cars, they kill niggas, niggas and all that stuff. Yeah. So he's playing around with syllables. My favorite rock bit is recently he was talking about September eleventh and he was talking about the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. And he was like, They gonna put them up in the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I ain't never going in there. He said they better put something mandatory in there. <laughs> he said, What can the new buildings do, duck? I said, God damn. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I, I think he did that on SNL. So that makes sense. Yeah, Rock is hilarious. Uh, th- that's what I wanted to ask you. How long have you been doing comedy, and who's like your inspirations? Man, actually, man, you know what? I think my eight year anniversary is this week. Eight years, hey, clap for yeah. that. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm almost sixteen next month. I'm wow, congratulations, there. but they I'll have, be eight. The I'll be eight that, in November. The fact that you asked that, yeah, like come this week is my eight year anniversary. That's crazy. So you don't like celebrate your anniversary? I probably make a post and say, "Hey, eight years or something." But I mean, what is celebrate? Celebrate celebrating for me is getting on stage, and I do that every night. I hear you, yeah, yeah. So, uh, where you started in St. Louis? I started in St. Louis, bro. So, I actually started in St. Louis. I got called on stage by Dick Gregory. Nigga, what? Yeah. Talk about that. So, I was um, I was into acting, and I was at one of my acting rehearsals, right. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. One of the girls at rehearsal said she was in a comedy competition. And so I asked her about it. And she introduced me to this lady named Miss Woody. And so I got her number and real shocked, but like I was working nights that I was working casino at the casino, working nights. Oh, I was working graveyard shift. Two weeks before this particular night, I had switched shifts with somebody. And so I was working eleven to four PM. Miss Woody texts me like at four thirty, like, hey. We doing a Dick Gregory tribute at the ambassador. Won't you come through? I'm like, bet. Hold on, excuse me. <clears throat> so I pulls up. Now I wouldn't. I wouldn't normally normally wouldn't win because I normally have to work. So I feel like this shit was destiny. You feel me? So okay, yeah. I, I pull up. They doing Dick Gregory tribute. They got like a painting of Dick Gregory. They got a statue of them or whatever. And so Miss Woody. Introduces me and his comic from Grand Rapids, Michigan, Brandon Kushan. She goes, Hey, those two young comics, the great look at us, he waves. By an hour later, he's giving a speech. It's packed full of old heads because you know the Dick Gregory. Right. He goes, Yo, it's them two young comics I met earlier still in the crowd. I stood up, I said, Yeah, we in the back. He said, Yo, y'all come on stage real quick. Now, mind you, at this time, bro, I only I barely got five minutes. I had, okay. I had only did one upper mic before. Because you had already lost that joke to Rob, man. <laughs> he, was, he was working at a deficit. <laughs> Nigga was in the negative. Facts. Yeah, yeah, insufficient joke funds and oh, shit. Oh, God. <laughs> y'all stupid. But anyway, so he he like, y'all come on stage. Brother, y'all find me. <laughs> we walk on stage, bro. This dude turns around with the mic and said, do, do y'all sit? I said, what? <laughs> so, so one of the goats introduced you. <laughs> yes. And your first time. Well, was it one of your first times or your first time? Man, it was like my second time officially. Because oh, like the first crazy. time the first time I performed was at a, was a funny ball open mic for a minute. But that was like a year later. I had not get on stage. I didn't get on stage after that until Dick Gregory introduced me. 
You know what? That that shit is always funny because it's a lot like our first time in sex where we be lying to people. <laughs> Who me? How much time you got? Yeah, I don't know, like forty five. Yeah, bro, bro. I barely, I'm about, bro. I barely had five minutes, bro. Then you come off stage sweating, and the motherfucker just look at you and go, "All mm-hmm. right, you got forty five minutes." What I should have asked you was, "How many good minutes you got?" Right. Because look, because I was working at the casino at night, I couldn't do comedy, so I was like during the day doing acting classes. Yeah. Man, did Gregory sat on stage while I did while I told jokes, bro? Like he ain't even lead the stage. He had he handed us the mic. It was two or three of us. And grabbed a chair and sat on stage and crossed his legs and just watched it. Damn. <laughs> That's pressure. That's crazy. For the but, second time on stage, how did you do? Man, I did okay. I did decent. I mean, plus, bro, I got introduced by Dick Gregory, so the crowd was ready to listen to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it wasn't like they was finna boo you. Yeah. So Out they, of respect for Dick, almost. Yeah, and so they and they was older people, bro. So even though I wasn't, a, I wasn't polished like I am now, I still kind of had a little material. Like, I, I came into comedy, like, knowing how to write jokes a little bit. Yeah, you from St. Louis. I feel like y'all y'all do a little bit of snapping around there. I'm from Indianapolis, so. Yeah, that don't mean I'm funny, though, because we got trash niggas back home just like we, it's up here in New York. It's I mean, yeah, you know, comedy, you got to learn how to be a comedian. Yeah. But, yeah. but certain people is funny, and even yeah. now, there are people... I've known that they've been doing it over 10 years and they're still not funny, but yeah. they learn skill. Bro, that, let me tell you something. That's the nerves I've ever been in my life, bro. Oh, yeah. I bet your ass was sweating. I was, bro, sweating. And, but it was, I mean, it, it, it was good. It turned out cool. He gave me his car and everything. I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. I really had five minutes of material. He gave me his car. I ain't know what to do with it. Man, that's crazy. You still got that car? I do, I do. My granny and my mom took pictures of. They went when I told them I got caught on stage by Dick Gregory. They went nuts. They was like, "What?" Dick was so humble, and I mean, it's weird because I think maybe two or three months before he passed, I met him at Caroline's and took a picture with him. And it was just interesting. I still remember this certain comic who shall remain nameless was like, <laughs> "You don't like to call names." After watching him, I I only call names if it's if it's personal with me, mm, okay, and okay, I okay. really don't like that motherfucker. Okay, but mostly I try to because I don't know who you're gonna need a show from or who Ibrahim <laughs> gonna want to link with, and then I didn't sat mm-hmm. on here. Mm. I don't like none of these niggas. Besides. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Sorry, I don't like none of these niggas. Say all that shit. He said, I don't like none of these niggas. I don't like none of them. The ones that know I like them, they know. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, comedy is more collaborative than it is competitive. Yeah, them niggas ain't collaborating with me, so I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) There's only collaborating with the mad comic. Nah, I'm just being real, man. You, You only collaborating when you're collaborating. That's it. Nah, but I hear you. Cause you know we could all have podcasts and just try to you know they, sit there. nigga nigga they book rapists. Mm. If, you, if you don't if you don't book me if you don't book me because you don't like how I my energy is some shit you, you something wrong with you nigga. Well, that's what's so funny is that you're being honest and I mean me and you are you know we about the same. You a little I'd say behind me in terms of experience in the city, but yeah. So I see you doing all the things that I did, and I wouldn't even but, say they're mistakes my, necessarily. It's just is, understanding that these people aren't genuine. So yeah, I always try is, to point either. But my thing, this this the thing, this the thing, and I was appreciative of of Nico White uh, chopping it up at the cellar and stuff. I was appreciative of, of his advice. But the thing is, like, I'm experienced in life. Yeah, and yeah. It, was, it was majority of what comedy is is life. 
You know what I'm saying? It's your life experience. It's your perspective on life. It's your point of view on life. So if I see somebody, if I see certain people in the community operate a certain way, I don't like, I don't choose to, to gain acceptance from those people. That's just a life lesson. Word. And, it's, and, it, and, and what happens is with comedy is because you have a lot of young people in comedy who comedy may have been their first job. You have people mm-hmm. in comedy They've never had to operate and deal with real life situations. So when I am direct with people and I'm real, it's like, oh, you're just being patty. You're hard to work with. It's not that I'm hard to work with. You you like the lie to yourself. I'm you telling like you the truth. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. you're lying to yourself and you want all of us to join in on the lie. Right. Like, look, I don't have to be okay with you. I don't have to agree with you. But if you see that I do a good job, that's what it's really about. And that's where that's I was fucking up at, about. was doing a good job on stage, but then the agree with me crew that I was like, oh, these motherfuckers feel like politically and socially you need to agree with them on every little thing or be quiet. And it's like, nah, that ain't where, and, and I think that's the Midwest in me, and even I'd say for you, even you being from Jersey, you're from a real place. Whereas New York is fake, it's not as fake as LA, but it is fake. In terms of comedy in the industry, what what do you think the differences are, Stefan, between St. Louis and New York? And like, what type of differences? Like the comedy Just doing comedy from the city. I mean, it's 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 bigger. So it's it, like if you funny, you can man. If you funny, it might take longer to, for people to recognize you. If you funny in St. Louis, you are gonna stand out within one or two years. Right, that's right. what I would always say. In, in New York, it take in, in New York it take longer or politic or who like you. But in St. Louis, if you funny, niggas know. Not even six niggas know within six one year. Like I remember when I first started comedy, bro, and I actually started coming around the scene because I ain't gonna. I met Dick Gregory before I even found out it was a comedy scene. So when I when I found out it was a scene, people was like I already said I was like not, people was comparing me to. But before I even linked up with Reggie, people's like, yo, you remind me of Reggie. You remind yeah. me of Reggie. Y'all tell jokes, y'all funny. And so it was like, it was it's, it didn't take long for people to realize, oh, he one of the ones who nice. And it's messed up because I know as a Midwesterner that was started in Indiana at a club called Crackers that a yeah. lot of the people within the scene are white. Yeah. And they're just comparing you to the other black comic in town. Yeah. And I mean, you and Reggie, y'all do feel like Kendrick spirits or Kendrick spirits, Kendrick spirits. What the fuck I'm talking about? <laughs> anyway, but yeah, and I mean, I had Reggie Edwards on this podcast, so y'all go back and listen to that episode. And yeah, I feel like for a long time, and it, it took me a while to learn your name, and I remembered you kind of being like nigga. <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean, that's just me. I don't I don't remember names for shit. Yeah, but but like I said, but like I, going back to that. It didn't take long. People realize, like, oh, he got potential, and you know how mm-hmm. like people have potential. But when I stay after me after being on the scene for like a year or two, people was like, okay, yeah, this this young nigga's funny. And by the time my third year came, I was already hosting and doing spots at the club. You know what I'm saying? Like, I started getting spots. Right. What's the club there? Helium or Funny Bone? Well, the Funny Bone was always there. Helium came. Helium came like my fourth year in comedy, so Helium's still new in St. Louis. Helium hasn't even been in St. Louis ten years. Okay. Bone been in, in St. Louis for 30 plus. Word. Okay, yeah. And, and and the thing I was gonna say about the scenes that I noticed is, you know, when you in Indianapolis, St. Louis, wherever smaller, 
there ain't a lot of people moving there. So yeah. you kind of, after two or three years, you know, okay, this dude's kind of funny. Yeah. You even get to a point where you almost know the sets. Yeah. And you don't have to really push yourself because it isn't so much competition. But then when you come to New York, it's like, okay, these 10 people are funny. And every three months, another 10 funny people going to come in. Mm-hmm. And not just funny, they got connections. You know, they know people from the road. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They work with headliners. They getting put. Yeah, in see, clubs. that's my thing too. I moved to New York. I was six. I was like six years old. I, I, I did so many hosting spots for big names. All right, bro. You know what I mean? People I worked there before I moved to New York. See, so, yeah, yeah. And I already had a set together. And then the thing too, working the comedy club, hurt hippie with your set. I mean, I was doing like the urban slash hood rooms, as you call it. So like, cause that that get your skin tough. But once I transferred to start doing the comedy club, that's when I really started getting a set. Yeah, sometimes you can leverage those connections and sometimes you can't. Like, I remember yeah. one of my first days in New York, I think I was like seven, eight years in, and a lady just being like, nobody gives a fuck what you did outside of here. Facts. And it's like, wow, interesting. You know what, Phil? People say that, but if, if once you've been in New York for a little bit and then you start going on the road, with the connection you had before you moved her, people like, damn, you did the wrong work. Like, I went back home, they did the healing in St. Louis. People was like, congratulations. And to me, I'm like, I've been doing healing. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? I'm like, so they yeah, say that's that, nothing. Like, well, and I say the yeah. that, it, especially recently, with the way New York was shut down, yeah. a lot of us, you know, the work is slower to the point that we are looking at y'all like, maybe I need to go to healing. Put mm-hmm. me up. Whereas before we wasn't looking to get out as much because everything was just popping right here. Man, he you know got I mean? yeah, a good I, network, bro. That's a good. That's a good thing to go to. But yeah, man, I you know I see y'all working with DL Hewley and all this different stuff, and it is, it is interesting because yeah, you get over here and these clubs like shit. It's gonna be two years before I even get you an audition. So man, it'll humble you real quick because you go from a professional. Back to being an open mic, but I think the advantage you had is the same one I had of knowing yourself as a comic and having confidence and a set. Yeah, I feel sorry for motherfuckers who start here. <laughs> Even him, you started in New York, right? No, I started in Jersey. So that's not the same as New York. No, no, like, hell no. Like Jersey got his own, his old separate scene. It, it barely has a scene. Um, New Jersey barely has a scene. It has. It's just over the last two years started sprouting up. In Jersey City, Hoboken. When I started, the one who had the, the only one that had a really a really consistent room in New Jersey before before Sharif Johnson was um Gordon Baker Bone. Gordon Baker Bone had had um the what was it called? Fuck, Tenth Street Live, and it was he would do shows and he had an open mic there every Monday, and that's mm. everybody would go to workout jokes and to really get ingrained in comedy. Um, my boy Ray Gibbs, he also had rooms too on the flip side. Um, he would do rooms and stuff in Jersey. He had multiple rooms, but it really wasn't a scene where like you can go here, 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 here. But I say it's so when you when you piss people off in New Jersey or somebody didn't like you in New Jersey and you got blackballed in New Jersey, Mm -hmm. you weren't getting put up by almost nobody. And that was the thing I was going to say is the difference between Indiana and New York is there was one group that kind of ran our scene. And, I mean, we really? were fighting over bowling alley spots. And there's only like three or four shows a month anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you weren't in with that group, then you were out. 
Whereas in New right. York, it's so many different people that even when one set blackballs you, you can just go to the other one. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, that, yeah, wow. You, it was only three or four shows a month in Indiana? Yeah, man. And I mean, you know, there's the urban scene and then there's the, I guess, what you would call mainstream or white scene. And even amongst them, it was three, four shows a month. And what I should say good shows, because a lot of the mics, they would kind of call shows. And I mean, there's nothing to do on a Tuesday in Indiana anyway, but I feel like it was good training. It was like playing NCAA basketball and then coming here and playing NBA. That's funny. Whereas, you know, I feel like the New Yorkers, they're essentially going straight from high school to the pros that mm-hmm. you may be on an open mic with. When I was coming up, you know, Yamanika would come through the mics and she got TV credits. Mm. Uh, Suba, Mike Lawrence, Nico, different people that they're pros who've already been on TV. Right. So they're making you look extra bad at a mic. And you like, shit, this is my first day. Man. <laughs> and I mean, it ain't starting with Dick Gregory or nothing. But, <laughs> but it can be overwhelming. And I definitely see within some of the transplants that two things. One is, like I said, you have your confidence and you have a set. And the New York comics, they're kind of starting off. And somebody gave you the rules. Like when I was in Indiana, you had to take the comedy class. And they didn't really teach you how to write or nothing. They nope. just kind of taught you the rules of the game. Don't yeah, they don't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't take a class. A class can't teach you how to be funny. Right. Nope. Nobody can teach that. That's all up to you. But what they were telling right. us was basically more or less be professional, A, and then B, your entry level is as a host. So when you're up, you don't want to be talking about you depressed or who in here eat ass. Mm-hmm. You know, all these little things that people wouldn't think matter. And when I see in New York, you'll see somebody with a completely dirty set. And it's just like, yeah, but where are they going to put you? Yeah. Where do you go in the show? You know, you open for D.L. Hewley on a weekend. He going to look at you like, who in the fuck? Yeah, some you know, some, some headlines, t- but some headlines, my friend, some headlines will tell you what you can. Can I say, when I uh when I opened up, for, I was the host for, for Guy Tory. He was okay. like, he said, hey, man, no cussing, no talking about religion, mm-hmm. and no talking about, I forgot what else he said, but that basically was just what it was. And then, okay. and this feature, because this feature was pretty Ricky, so she does all the, like, religion and funny stuff. So oh, they don't like, step on each other's toes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, and so every headliner has their different things, but. The club can kind of give you a base level. And, and like I said, I see these New York comics, a lot of them, that kind of get, what's the word I'm looking for? They never make it past the entry-level stage, you know. They're, they're doing free bar shows mm-hmm. and wonder why they're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, cool. You have freedom. You have too much freedom. Mm, uh, yeah. New York like earlier in this podcast... Like- I was somebody. I went to a, the Knicks game last night, preseason Wizards last game, so it was sem, semi-serious. But okay, Julius Randle, I'm watching him, and it's like wow. a good college coach, a Bobby Knight, a Mike Krzyzewski, would have told him, "Hey, man, three dribbles and then a shot or a pass. I don't want to see you isoing, dribbling like you fucking Iverson mm. or Steph." You can clearly see when he's decisive or not. Mm-hmm. So parameters and rules make some people better. Right. And it's great that you're out here now and I'm out here and we get to break those rules. 
but like I, I, I was on the road recently with somebody uh, and she hosted and you know like you said religion and oh you know who sucks toe you know it's all this inappropriate shit that is yeah. like it's not not that that's inappropriate so much but if we treat in um, comedy like sex uh-huh. you the host this is foreplay uh-huh. whisper in their ear a little Rub on they five, like yeah. damn, you just pulled it out and shoved it in. Uh huh. So you know what I mean. You got to warm up the crowd a little bit. You can't really come right out there and. Yeah, I learned that in Atlanta, bro. Like the first time I went to Atlanta, and I, I, I was, I struggled a little bit. My first, like, we was in Atlanta for like a week. My first set, and the host came to me. He was like, "Bro, you funny, but he was like, you got to warm." He said, "You got to warm that pussy up." You know what I'm saying? It's just like a chick. You got to warm her up first. You just can't jump straight in all dry and hard. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you got to kiss her on the neck a little bit. Yeah. A lot of New York comics, you know, as a host to come out. And, so I'm depressed. Bitch, we came to party. <laughs> Give a fuck that you depressed. You don't have no friends or nobody you can talk to about that. No. Have you ever had a host who did like four or five minutes and then brought you up? So even though they came up on stage, you still was brought up dry? Yeah, they don't Ooh. do no jokes. Where y'all from? Where y'all from? Ooh. And that works in New York because you got tourism. I ain't going to sit here and let y'all talk about Joe Hill like that. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Oh, my uh, God. Joe's good people, though, but. <laughs> that dude but yeah, that, that. That. That is just like and and you know that works. Oh no, like man! You he got five albums, so really, yeah, <laughs> right. He got four more than me. So all right, let me five albums of whose material? Y'all better quit playing on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play on my phone like that. I, hey, y'all better stop lying on Al Gore's internet. <laughs> yeah, come on with all that. <laughs> So David Arnold is like Jordan, and then Joe Hill is like Clyde Drexler. Yeah. Nah, 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 Harold Miner. <laughs> Baby Jordan. We forget about Harold Miner. Harold Miner. But nah, yeah, we was we was just talking about that last night, actually, enough. Uh, I was down in New York, and we was talking about, yeah, you know, these hosts that they're from New York, go on the road to like somewhere like St. Louis. So where y'all from? Nigga, St. Louis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that works in New York. You can literally go up and do that and then it becomes, oh, you're from Norway? Oh, is that why you talk like that? Everybody like, yeah, nigga, like, yeah, you performing in my living room, nigga. Would you get to the jokes? Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's just a lot of bullshitters out in New York. And, and, and this show that I'm telling you guys about with the bad hoster, She's just inexperienced, I'd say, and too much freedom. But somebody came by afterwards and was like, y'all was trying to get your attention. And I was going last. I don't like to say I headlined, but I was going last. And in the middle of my set, I had to call out a birthday. And then once I called out one on the left, somebody on the right jumped up. Well, yeah, it's my wife's birthday, too, because he wanted to get some pussy tonight. And he like, I ain't getting beat by that other guy. (laughs) So then... As I'm out in the hallway in the lobby, you know, after the show, another guy comes out and goes, yeah, I was waving my hand. I was trying to tell you it was my wife's birthday, too. And that was something that we would get, you know, punished for back in Indiana. If you hosted a show and you didn't, you know, acknowledge, is anybody here celebrating anything? Mm -hmm. 
and the whole nine that it's like, you know, almost frowned upon here in New York to do that. But it's like, no, you need to do that because a lot of headliners that kick your ass off the show, if they go up and they got to shout out for birthdays. Yeah. Like, that's your job as a host and as an MC. So, yeah, it's just, it's just too much freedom here. And I mean, just in general in comedy, you know, it's a shame nobody ever pulls people aside and goes, you're doing this shit wrong. Man, that's because people sensitive, bro. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's just that, man, bro, in St. Louis, bro, you get dragged, bro. I'm talking about, we used to get dragged, bro. Like, even between me and my boys, Reggie, me, Reggie, and Vince, one of us bombed. This is what we used to do, bro. One of us bombed. We had this thing where, like, we'll walk up and, like, pull a knife out of each other's back. Like, ooh, they stabbed us tonight. Like, you don't know mm-hmm. They gave mm-hmm. us tough skin. Be like, we ain't trying to get this knife pulled out of us. Like, I'm talking about, it's, it's sensitive up here a little bit, man. And this is supposed to be the toughest city, I heard. Well, it's like, oh, my God. Saying oh, they don't want the truth so bad that even on a bad night, and then what's fucked up here is there's actual industry here. Mm. So you can be bad all the way up to TV. Yeah. Oh my yes. God. All I take is, but you can you can bomb nine times. That one that one time you're in front of somebody who 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 important, you can take off. You'd be like, oh, but they be bombing. Yes, but that is what you're saying. And I mean, the people you name, and I want to shout out because obviously you named Reggie from St. Louis, and you just named Vincent Bryan. Yeah. Who was he was he was with Leonard and he gave me a tag that I still use to this day. Yeah, Leonard. but I knew when he gave me the tag, I said that he has to be funny. I've never seen him on stage. Yeah, but I said to have seen it, what he saw in my joke, I'm like, I know this nigga funny. Yeah. So then I saw his uh Comedy Central set, uh, Heart of the City. Yeah. And I was like, I knew that motherfucker was funny. Word. And I mean, shouts out to them because we shout out so many people that ain't funny, not by name. <laughs> Uh, but Vincent Bryan, yeah, if y'all listening, check him out on like YouTube or some shit. He's funny as hell, and he worked with Leonard. Leonard oops very closely. Leonard's another funny young comic. Yeah, he a killer. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, back to the bar show thing. One thing I've learned recently, like within the next like last like, five six months, it's okay to say no to some of these little little bar shows. Like we always want to make you feel like we booked, but it's okay to say no. I've been learning that too. Yeah, yeah, you know, free bar show that. There's three people there, and now you feel bad about comedy because you like shit. Feel like we all bombed because, <laughs> you know, whatever the audience was, and you know, like like I'm saying, some of them make it all the way to TV. And my complaint is that the the internet or the fans feel like that feeling that Martin was giving them, that Bernie Mac was giving them, yeah. you name them, Cedric the Entertainer. Mm-hmm. Monique, some more, whoever, they don't get that anymore. And it's like, yeah, because a, a lot of these uh, TV producers and stuff, they're putting up the free comedy all-stars. <laughs> and I mean, I've had to say that to people of, you know, I had beef with a certain comic. He's super trash. I don't even want to say his name, but I, but I had to tell him, nigga, you're a free comedy. You're not even an all-star in the free comedy circuit. Mm. Like you're trash amongst the and I and I feel like there are things that are cover charge funny. Mm. And, <laughs> and, and I think speaking, that yo, he's speaking to my soul, yo. And I think that's something that we learn out there in Indiana because yeah, everybody, you know, makes a little everybody has a little more residual income. Mm. 
So they actually come out and spend money and they'll let you know, like, eh, that shit ain't that funny. Whereas here, you know, you got an agent and I might want your agent to rep me also. So now I'm not. I can't let you know you trash. Yeah. Whereas there's less states back home. So everybody is like, I really ain't got no reason to lie to you, bro. You trash. Yeah, I got it, bro. I ain't gonna lie. I got that bad, bro. I be having to, I be having to get reminded. My boy had to remind me, like, bro, you can't be telling people they suck, bro. It's New York. I be having to get reminded sometimes. Because I got that bad. I be like, huh? Look, first time I met Ebene, Ebene was like, I knew you was funny because we was on show together. Ebene was like, I knew you was funny because when people was on stage, you just was not laughing. Because <laughs> I wasn't laughing. I wasn't laughing either. I don't be laughing at shit, yeah, bro. Stefan, we've hung out a lot. Yeah. And we'll be at a show and a motherfucker be on stage and we won't laugh, which I won't laugh at nothing. Yes. Now, if, if a nigga make me laugh, I, not that I'm anybody, but I'm, I'm like, I can see some people punchlines come on a mile away mm-hmm. or whatever. But if a motherfucker got some shit that make me laugh out loud, yeah. I give it up. Like, and yo, the, I, now, I, at was, the show, I won't laugh because yeah. I feel like there's an audience there for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just get an authentic rela- reaction. So, genuinely, if you surprise me or something with something I didn't see coming, yeah, I will. I was laugh. just about to say that, Phil. I'm not really a laugher anyway. I'm more of an observer anyway. You like, because mm-hmm. like when I'm silent laughing, like, like I can, I, I can study comedy. So I just watch like, oh, that was good, that was good. So yeah, I'm just like that too, Phil. But when they go off stage, I'm like, yo, that was nice. I'd imagine this is a lot like a porn star. Yeah. That's just like, you know, when they have a sex, they like, oh, that was good. And then the person like, nah, like, why you wasn't screaming and moaning like in a video? And it's like, bitch, I do this every day, ten times a day. Yeah. So for us, when we watch, it ain't a lot of times we ain't laughing that loud. We might think um, we great. Honestly, if I'm watching, that's a compliment. Because you be bombing, I'm walking mm-hmm. out. I might walk out the room. That is a compliment. And a lot of people don't understand that. But at a mic, I'll tell you, I definitely laugh. Because I understand that energy is reciprocal. Mm-hmm. But I've always found it funny that people don't get that. Yeah. So they <clears> sit <throat> out in the audience and not laugh with the stone face, knowing mm-hmm. we all comics. Mm-hmm. And then they'll get on stage, and this is my favorite person. They'll say some cocky shit to start with. You know, this audience ain't been laughing. But to be fair, these comics ain't been giving y'all nothing. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they proceed the bomb. In and go, oh, this audience ain't shit. And it's like, yeah, fuck you. You thought you was special? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, nigga, you, we're all porn stars, you know? Nobody's coming here. We all better fake moan in here or nothing. <laughs> and as long as you understand that, it's like, and, and that's the funny thing. And I'll say for you, even, and I, I'm pretty sure you saw some people leave St. Louis and come back quick. No, honestly, bro, everybody who, who people, who, everybody who, who left St. Louis was funny. Like, like, matter of fact, it was one person, one person, they left. And then, like, three months later, they made a post on Facebook, like, I'm moving back to St. Louis, or so-and-so, and we was like, yeah, of course. But besides that, like, everybody who loves St. Louis, people, like, even when I was in St. Louis, bro, people felt like I was in St. Louis too long. Like, mm-hmm. it was a six-month period, people was like, bro, when you leaving? Like, all right. Why you still here? Time to go pro. Yeah, like, so, for the most part, nine out of ten times, everybody who left was supposed to leave. Because I'd have seen some motherfuckers leave Indianapolis or, or even just come here from other places. Mm-hmm. And those mics we have to do in the beginning just mm-hmm. completely kill their spirit. Mm. But you got to zoom. Because I didn't even see some people try to like avoid it. That it's like you got to zoom. 
because you kind of need to get that base level. I'd say about 10 people that fuck with you. Yeah, true. And and you just kind of go up from the bottom up of, you know, empty bar shows. Like I I talk about the free comedy all-stars, but you you do the free shows do serve a purpose. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, like St. Louis, like when I first, like my first year and like, I'll say six months, a year and a half, it was mostly mics, and then it got to a point where I started getting booked. I mean, the first time I got paid, and I was like, oh. I was like, okay. The first time I, I got $20 for gas money. I was like, oh, that's cool. Then I did a show for Arvin Mitchell and got paid 50 And I was like, oh. And then after a while, I just people started giving me money. And then after a while, I'm like, oh, okay. I, yeah. I'm more than an open micer. Like, you know right. what I mean? Like, okay. Then once you, once I realized I was more than open micer, then I got my first spot at the comedy club. I'm like, oh, I'm getting booked, booked. You yeah, know what I'm so I think real. it just come with time because I, I ain't some people are professional open micers. So God yes, bless their heart. That's what I'm saying out here right. that that gap is so wide. Yeah. Yes, a lot of people get lost in that middle space of like, okay, you you think you're not an open micer, but have you heard yourself? Mm-hmm. And then you get off into, oh well, I got two shows this week or three. All right, now how many of those are paid? Right, mm-hmm. right. They don't even got to be paying you. How many people are paying to come in the place that you're in, bro? I ain't gonna. We used to annoy me, and I found out that I don't know if they were doing this in New York because I haven't been around much. But I used to be like at some open mics, and like a comic would be bombing, and their friends would be laughing, and then their friends go off stage like, "Oh, good set." I'm like, they're not gonna get better if you tell them to have a good set mm-hmm. after they bomb. Mm-hmm. Like you're not helping their, you're not helping them grow. But to be fair, and I mean this was always my uh theory. With open mics was, it's like a, it's like if LeBron do a crazy dunk in practice, that's like nigga, we can all do a three sixty dunk. No, nah, but he's saying yeah. open micers nah, at that's shows. A that's a bad comparison. Oh, at shows, at shows, giving each other false confidence. Yeah, bro. And and that's what I wanted to say about home is you know our Tuesday night open mic that we used to do at Crackers Comedy Club. People paid to get in, and I mean, the cover charge wasn't much, and sometimes they even <clears> waived it, <throat> but it was still the two-item minimum, right? Mm-hmm. You can get a lot of false confidence, and that's seeing people come out to New York and then get drowned because they like, I'm not doing these goddamn mics. You know, I'm performing for other comics. Yeah. Whereas our open mics, there was actual audience, and I mean, they might have just been our friends or friends of a, another comic, but right. there was people. Right. So seeing that, you know, some people get lost in that false confidence and then they come here and you get swallowed up because it's just wholehearted New Yorkers staring at you. And even in the mic that I did, we had a rule where you had to stay two people past when you when you perform. Oh, no. wow. OK. So then, nigga, when you come to New even York, if had, even if you had a show after that, oh, we said when a lot of shows in Indiana. Nah. And I mean, not those are special exceptions, but even still, it's like. You know, you come to New York, you're doing a mic, and you might see four comics just all get up and leave when you went on stage. No, uh, let me tell you the worst mic I went to. I was, I think I was living in New York for like three months at this time, and this was this when they had Creek in the Cave open. So I went to a bucket mic. And I found out that the bucket mic not really the bucket mic because that fake bucket. Yes, the mm-hmm. host pick and choose people they know to go up first. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got there at seven o'clock, bro. I didn't perform till one o'clock after everybody was gone. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, I was like, I'm not doing I love no that your more roommate open- even laughing. Yeah. I was like, I'm not doing no more open mics after that. I was like, okay, let me hit this scene and figure out where the real show's at. Cause this is no, this is not why I came to New York for. No, sir. Yeah, facts. 
Yeah, the bucket mic used to be hilarious because they would reach in a bucket. All right, so for people listening, bucket mic, you sign your name on a, on a sheet of paper, you fold it up, you put it in the bucket. It's supposed to be anonymous, but what the host be doing is reaching in a bucket, look at the paper, and just say the name of their friend. Yes. And you'd be like, damn, that motherfucker just got here. Yes, thanks. Like, I know they was looking at my name like, who the hell is this hot tower dude? Yeah, Skip. Like, so like that's the uh comedian version of who the hell shuffled these cards? Yeah, when you lose them in spades, yeah, who shuffled these? That's what and bro. And the worst thing about it was, bro, man, eight out of ten of them was whack. I'm like, yo, I got I've been here for hours. These guys is trash. Yeah, then I get up there one o'clock in the morning, it's five people in the audience, and I'm straight doing well. And I'm like, I wish I'd have been up here when it was 40 people in here. Man, that shit is insane. And then, yeah, yeah, and trying to make comics laugh. It, it's hard anyway. So, secondly, in the second hour of a mic, and R.I.P. to the Creaky K, because that shit is no longer. But, yeah, yeah man. They moved to Austin. Yeah, yeah, I guess she did, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she moved that shit to Austin. But, yeah, that, that used to be the home of the open mics. But after that, I was like, no more open mics. I was like, I need real shows. You know I what's crazy I is do I don't even remember uh, when I kind of stopped doing mics. And I'm still humble to where I'll do one if I'm, like, in the area or stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I really need to get something off, yeah. But just slowly, you know, I got past that one club, got past that two clubs. Just slowly. That's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to grow. That's how it's supposed to be, though. Started looking at, like, oh, shit. It's almost like you ever – always say you ever – uh you never remember the last time you went outside to play like a kid. Oh, uh, I swear. That shit just stopped. Next thing you know, you just hollering at girls. <laughs> you trying to make some money. <clears throat> All right, we, we about to wrap it up here, but I, I wanted to ask, because this is the Tough Talk Podcast, we ask everybody to give us a good fight story. Hypothetically, I mean, if you're not in your feelings about it, you could give us one like your worst loss, and then give us like uh, look, bro, I, don't, I always bro. feel like bombing it's a lot like getting punched in the face, and you gotta be willing to get uh, punched in the face. That's why I ask these questions. I don't, bro. I'm not ashamed of my past. That's who I am. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Bro, I never, <laughs> I'm not ashamed of my past at all. So okay, when I was in fourth, in fourth grade, I fought this girl, but like the girl, she was like the school bully. And bro, when I tell you, she was like bigger than all the teachers. Like she, look, was, like, girl. Well, people forget girls get their growth spurt before boys. Yes, and, and and I was new to this district. Like I was new, so I had only been at the school for like three weeks, bro. Yeah, and she was like the school bully, and they didn't know that I can jump. Like they didn't know I was a roaster yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So she came talking smack, and I just went in. And everybody, and at this point, until somebody new comes to the come to the class, you still the new boy. You feel me? So they like, oh, new boy going in, new boy going in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I remember exactly what I said trying to make her want to fight. I think she, we just, I think I said, I was like, that's why your daddy suck dick. I remember, and I remember she said what? And we was at a lunch line, bro. We go out to the, we go out this after, you know, recess after lunch. We yeah. Go out. We go outside, line up. We says, I go to the basketball courts. The basketball court is empty. I'm like, oh, I get to hoop by myself. I'm like, where everybody at? Not, not where everybody at because the way the court was set up at this school, you can see the playground because it was around the corner. So I'm like, where everybody at? Man, five minutes later, somebody walks to me, new boy, new boy. Big Jessica waiting on you, waiting for you at the uh, monkey boys. I oh. Say, I say, she ain't waiting on me, and I kept shooting. 
kept shooting balls. Somebody else came, new boy, new boy. But Jessica, wait, no, you got the monkey boys. So I go over to bro. As soon as I hit the corner, bro, I see the whole fourth grade. <laughs> just just, <laughs> just going, waiting. Just waiting. And I'm like, oh, this for everybody. <laughs> she walks up to me like, what you were saying? I said, I said what I said, but she pushed me like, cause she, even though I, she was school bully, to me, she was still a girl, but she was so tall and big, bro. That's hilarious. She pushed me like four times. After the fourth time, I said, push, she pushed me, and I just remember swinging on her like that fifth time, this big. And we just got, I'm not gonna lie, bro. She can throw down. Like, <laughs> she was <laughs> dropping them bees on you. Bro, we was fighting, bro. And it was like, I'm fighting her like a dude because she was so big. And I, I didn't realize, like, oh, this is a school bully. So even though she a girl, people looking at me like, this nigga fighting the bully. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so you was like Wilder and she was like Fury. She had that weight advantage. I, I, bro, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, she could fight, though. Like, she wasn't one of the bullies who swing. They'd be like, oh, like, she could straight throw him. And, and, and honestly, bro, in fourth grade, I'm just swinging. I'm, I'm not, I, I didn't have the skills I got now. Was the kids doing the old school chant? Like, bro. Bro, right. they was on the monkey bars going crazy on the slide. The monkey bars was, was the good shit. They was churn. Like, you know how it was so many students, and we were surrounded by the playground, so it took the teachers a minute to break through the crowd. Yeah. So we was fighting for a minute, bro. So you, you had to take that L? You a minute. Took an L? And, to be, uh, and to be honest, bro, I asked somebody, like, I said, man, how that fight go? They was like, you lost, bro. And Hilarious. The thing, bro, I remember, like, the fun, but the best part of the fight, the funniest part of the fight is she was tall, bro. So it came to the point where she tried to like, she tried to like grab me. And I like took her shirt and put her shirt over her head and, and put it around her ponytail and got the uppercut in her real fast. Boom. Damn, you out here boom, fighting boom, dirty boom, like that? Boom, you put shirts boom, over boom, heads? Man, but I was turning her up. Boom, boom. Hey, do you remember the scene in Scary Movie, the first Scary Movie, where like the girl had the bra on running through the rain and she was real yeah. sexy running through the bra? And she was, everybody's like, ooh, it was like that. But we was in fourth grade, she had a train of my own. So when I, when I, when I, like, when I, after, after a few punches, after I punched her up off me, she got to running towards me, bro. She had a train of my All you heard the whole fourth grade go, ew. <laughs> 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 them, them niggas had never seen titties before. Yeah. And she was like fourth grade big. So it was like, all you heard was, ew. <laughs> so you, you also helped a lot of young boys. Reese Pugh, you 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 exposed them to their first set of titties. <laughs> like, but it was so crazy, bro. And like I remember, like man, it was crazy. because look, here's the thing. I did this. The, I remember her grabbing my head because that, that was sex time she grabbed my head. The first only reason I did that because the first time she grabbed my head, nigga, she was kneeing the fuck out of me, bro. And I remember thinking as I'm getting needy, like, bro, this bitch is needing the shit out you. Like, Damn. You know, <laughs> She's that big. Bro, she was, bro, she was needing the I'm shit out of you. I'm Baby D from next Friday. Bro, yes. Yeah, yes, bro. And, and, bro, she had her girls part before everybody in the grade. So she was, like, big in everybody, bro. Man, that's wild. Did yeah. the teachers judge you for fighting a girl? I, don't, I think because we was kids, they was just like, and I was new, bro. So it was like, for me, I, don't, I really don't know if they judged me or not. I just remember everybody in class was like, oh, he fought Big Jessica. Like, I just remember that. Like, it wasn't even no judgmental thing. Like, it was. Because it's like, interesting. I got in a lot of fights in school, and there was these certain people that the principal would almost agree with you. Or like, good good job on whooping his ass. <laughs> I was still new to the school, bro. So I was like, when you knew and don't nobody really know you, it's like they still trying to find out who you are. So me being at the school too long, they like, oh, he fought this girl. Ooh. And, bro, I ain't going to lie, she got us out of trouble, bro. 
she got out of trouble. We was in detention and she started crying. Like we was in the office and she started crying. She was like, people always picking on me because we big. I looked at her like, bitch, what? Right. Like, no, you always picking on people because you big. Yeah. I was like, yo, <laughs> so you, what? You, and that's always the confusing part about girls being bullies is that with dudes, you can uh, pretty much point at them and go, this motherfucker's a bully. Yeah. But with girls, they might have a pigtail still, a little ponytail or something. People always feel like, nah, it's your fault. Yeah, bro. Like, I remember I fought this girl in sixth grade. You fought a girl too? Man, and I told you, nigga, they got their growth spurt before. <laughs> Everybody forget that. That it's like, nah, really, we owe y'all some ass whoopings. We just nice enough people that we don't give them to. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> sixth, sixth grade, it was this girl and she had failed. Yeah, and you can always tell the student who failed because everybody go, who is this? Yeah. Like, how you get here? They all bigger than they desk. <laughs> But anyway, I used to wear these glasses, so people see she, 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 uh, his fucking glasses or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Four-eyed freak, you know, all them glasses insults she was hitting me with. So anyway, I said something, and you you know when you get picked on as a kid, you go home, you marinate on that shit. Facts. And I still remember her nigga, her name was Stacy McDowell, nigga. And <laughs> she said something to me in the middle of class, and I said, shut up, Stacy McCow. And then, <laughs> When I dropped that bar, the crowd went crazy, nigga. It was like a rap battle or something. <laughs> now, you know, girls, they don't really do the joning and snapping, so. Yeah. And this was a country-ass white girl. I went to school in South Georgia, so hey, Hiram Middle School, nigga. I didn't think nothing of it. She started turning red in the face or whatever. She was embarrassed. The bell rung or whatever. I'm just cutting through. You know, the hallways, you know, the hallways used to be hella traffic. And I still, yeah. I had hit my growth spurt. Yeah, so I'm shorter than her. Yeah. Nigga, the next thing I know, she threw me against the locker. Ooh. Hit me in the chest. Now, mind you, crowded halls, the class is, is changing. So, nobody saw that. Mm. Man, I took my backpack off. I slapped the shit out of her. <laughs> And I'm talking about like her glasses fell off her face. All the books she was holding, she dropped them, turned straight into a girl on my ass, started crying. Remember the principal snatched me up. I'm talking about he hold me by my shirt. And you know, down there they could do a corporal punishment. Um. So he was really looking at me and then I got lucky. Somebody else got in trouble and he went off and they just wound up suspending me. But all the women teachers was really judging my ass. Like, I might as well have been O.J. Simpson. Dang. Uh-huh. But I'm trying to explain to them, classic white girl move. Like, nah, she had me snatched by the collar. Like, the bitch's handprint is practically on my shirt. Bruh, Still. when I fought Jessica, bro, bro, she pushed me five times before I even swung with her, bro. Like, right. You was like, trying not to. Your like, mama had told you. Bro, you know, you don't I, hit bro, girls. I got, I got, I got friends to this day who like went to school with both of us bro and i got this one home girl she tell the story so more funny than me she was like every time she pushed you i just seen you getting madder and madder and i'm just i remember i'm like bro i just did not want to put my hands on her bro and i remember i thought i was smooth i had like this little this little vest jean jacket i remember she pushed me the fourth time i took off my jacket like yo hold this and I was like, push me again. And I put all my weight down. As soon as she tried to touch me, I just pat. <laughs> yeah. And she was taller than me, so I kind of jumped up in the air with it. Pat. Like, you know. At least the girl you fought, at least she gave you the fight that she was begging for. Yeah. Like I said, this girl turned straight into a girl. 
and was just started crying. We was brawling, and but the next year in fifth grade, she asked me out. That's what be weird, bro. Is it really be some sort of pent up hormone sexual type energy? But she <laughs> asked me out at the school dance, bro. And they just don't have nowhere to give it out. Bro, she asked me out the school dance the next year in fifth grade. I was like so thrown off by the shit, bro. Cause we was cool at this point. When you when you grabbed her training bra, she got an idea. I'm when she, look when she put when she pushed you up against the locker and punched you in the chest. As a kid, you take that as an insult. As an adult, you like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah, that's that pent up oh, she sexual want, energy. She want the D. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you the part that was crazy you in about this grade, girl that you know? I wound up fighting was <laughs> years later. You know what I mean? And obviously that was sixth grade. So by like freshman year, niggas was like, yo. And I mean, this was an old country thick white girl but niggas was like yo she gets some fire ass head i had to be like oh i messed that up during middle school <laughs> <laughs> like i can't even bark up that tree she still had it out for me Damn. yo i gotta on that note i gotta bounce <laughs> yeah 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 that, we about to wrap up anyway even, so. even him don't play the white girls in black news he gotta get up out of here that yeah he like i'm muslim brother i got to go <laughs> Enough, you eat ribs, but I, right, Ibrahim, uh, all right, bro. You got some shows next week, plug them or where to find you at. Oh, uh, yeah, next week, shit. I don't know, I'm around, check, uh, just follow my Instagram, uh, Ibrahim Khalif, and uh, okay. my Twitter, Ibrahim Khalif83. Uh, stream the comedy album, Placebo, available everywhere. Oh. Yeah, man. And Stefan, go ahead, drop your handles and where to find you at, man. Instagram, Stefan underscore hot towel, that's Stefan with an O. Not a lot of people like to put the A. It's S-T-E-P-H-O-N underscore Hightower on Instagram. On Facebook, same thing. Stefan Hightower. On Twitter, Mr. Steph Hightower. So, you know, follow me. Find that nigga behind the monkey bars fighting the girl. <laughs> exposing the young breasts. Yo. Anyways, <laughs> it's been another episode of the Tough Talk Podcast. Per usual, y'all can find me at I am Phil Hunt on all social media platforms uh thanks for listening like share rate review subscribe all that shit we out thanks for having me peace